one more mouthful. That's what she's fucking eating, because <laughs> we, we couldn't not mention Christy and then have somebody eating at the beginning of the podcast, so I may as well get the, that in the preamble. So no. just, Oh, yeah, I gotta run my back up, too. There we go. Yeah, there it is. Nom, 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 yeah, nom. He's, now he's talking with his mouth full. So this is the best preamble we've ever done, right there. And I don't care what else happens after this preamble. Uh, I'll cut that, because this is the preamble now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back is running now. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's get started because it is episode 180 of Dance Robot Dance, a podcast where we talk about all things nerdy, geeky, whatever. I am Paul. I'm recording from Seoul, South Korea, and I am joined by the usual ragtag bunch of ragamuffins, scrappy group of <laughs> underdogs. Say hello, Tim. Hi, everybody. I'm not eating anymore. I finished. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and say hello mark hi guys how's it going we've got a fun episode today there's not much news because we are still kind of coming off of the holidays yeah still pretty quiet yeah and as long as we ignore actual world news which we will do so <sighs> this is a oh, this is a real life right. free zone god damn it let's like just keep it keep it nerdy keep it nerdy for the next 90 minutes, at least, you can, we can, you can ignore the real world. So Yeah. So let's get into our nerdy news. So let's start with, well, there's so many things. Let's start sad news out of the way first. First of all, there was a uh, really sad news in the gaming community because the first woman to compete in the League of Legends championships died at 24. Her name is Romelia. Her real name was Maria. And it was really sad because she was like, uh, yeah, so young. Uh, but she was also a trans woman. And so, of course, the comments on Kotaku and Facebook turned real ugly real fast. Yeah. Because gamers are pieces of shit. True. We are. We really are. Yeah. <laughs> As a whole. Yeah, that's true. They did a pretty good job of moderating the comments in the uh, actual Kotaku site. But the Facebook comments were just like... Just turn off the comments when you're yeah. posting. Just, I feel bad saying it because like we do most of our posting to Facebook, but like just delete your fucking Facebook. Like Ugh. we should just delete our Facebooks, guys. It's only just like never read the comments on public posts is what no. you should do. Unless you're Tim and are going to go in there and fucking fight in the in the like get yeah, in. Only when I have time on my hands. Yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes we're feeling scrappy and we gotta yeah. gotta engage. But yeah. I like scrolling through my feed every once in a while because I'll be like, I would never click on this story to like look at the comments on, but the comments will pop up and I'll be like, oh, Tim Lenz commented. There. <laughs> yeah. Tim got angry and decided to like tell somebody off on the internet. It's like, yeah. your racism is so thinly veiled, you motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tim's just yelling into the void at this point. It's good mm. times. Old man shouts at cloud. Yeah. But it's sad for the gaming community, especially like it was just weird seeing someone like 10 years younger than me in the headlines. So RIP. Next was kind of a hit for the sci-fi community, if you're into that retro stuff, because Sid Mead, the designer of Blade Runner and Tron, died this week as well. Yeah, this, yeah. Was, this was a big bummer for me, because yeah. uh, as a like design nerd and all that kind of stuff, he's obviously somebody who influenced... I mean, Blade Runner, on its own, may be the most influential movie in comic book history. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so... As an artist who does that kind of work, like I felt that one. Yeah. Because I've, I've got books he's written, or like part drawn. of it, or yeah, his art, art drawn, like his art books and stuff like that. And I've got like his Blade Runner poster up on my fucking wall at home and stuff. Cause he did work on 
Blade Runner 2049 as well. Yep. He did Viger from uh, the very first Star Trek motion picture. Yeah, so, he was like, on that team as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, his visu- visual style has left an indelible print on like two or three generations of sci-fi. At yeah. Least. yeah, yeah. So like he even designed the power loader. Like it's craziness. Yeah. And I think the light cycles from Tron are his as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is like super, crazy shit. Super iconic. Yeah. yeah and so. oft imitated. Like. Oh my god. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> so yeah. Died at eighty six. Rest in peace, Sid Mead. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, eighty six. He lived a good life. So yeah, Good for him. Good for him. Next bit of news: we had a sequel trailer for the new Quiet Place movie, Quiet Place Part Two. People are loving it because Killian Murphy has a beard now, which is nice. <laughs> everybody's thirsty for thirsty King, for Killian King Murphy. Murphy with the beard. Yeah. <laughs> is that what everybody was talking about on the internet? I just thought the trailer was good. <laughs> the trailer was pretty good. I have honestly never seen the first Quiet Place. Like it's Oh really? It, yeah. I, it's really good. It I know it was one of those horror movies that like got a lot a pretty big push and had like a pretty good gimmick. Like theaters were super quiet and people had like quiet place viewing parties where there was no popcorn mm-hmm. allowed and stuff. But I just I don't know. I just never took the chance and watched it. We'll watch it in the basement when you get home. Basically, yeah, I, I still haven't seen it yet either. I need. Oh to. my god, you guys suck! Why you have to see this movie? It's so good. It came out at a time when there was a bunch of other stuff I wanted to there see was. in theaters, kind of thing, and so it was just like lower priority for me because yeah. it wasn't a franchise I was invested in, and and then like it, I didn't necessarily want to watch it on like home video unless I had like the time to properly watch it on good set of headphones, and so it's one of those movies where like things have to be right you know conditions have to be correct for me to want to watch it mm-hmm. that's why i have that basement set up the way it is boys so that i can just like lock myself in a quiet room and put yeah. my, my music on or movies on way too loud yeah i'm curious about it i'm gonna probably gonna watch it eventually yeah i'll wait to, probably wait till i get back home to canada before i try it because like horror movies are really just like they really really have to sell hard to pique my interest and it kind of did and kind of didn't at the same time. Yeah, no, I, that one, I think I snuck out and saw it in theaters in like on a random week because whatever, I've lots of time on my hands. Yeah. So, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah. I, I'm surprised neither of you have seen it. That kind of surprised me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, what else? Deadpool 3 is in progress, according to Ryan Reynolds. The Marvel machine is in motion to get Deadpool 3 off the ground. Very curious to see what that's going to look like under the Disney banner. But yeah, same, same Z's. I'm very, yeah. very curious to see how that's going to pan out. So, yeah. Will D- Disney release a rated R movie? Will they do it? Yeah. They, were they have in about the past. Yeah. We've, we've gone over this yeah. multiple times. Yeah. They have in the past under, you know, just not under Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they will again, I'm sure. And I think uh, Bob Iger had said that they were going to uh, yeah. release Deadpool movies that were rated R specifically. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that at some point. Yeah. Where that Bob Iger had actually said, like, yeah, it's gonna be rated R, because why would you mess with that yeah. at this point? So Yeah. There's even there was even a rumor running around like the the shitty parts of the internet that are talking that they're still trying to get Hugh Jackman back to do that crossover movie. So yeah. you never know. Yeah. In more Marvel news, they've bumped up WandaVision into 2020. It was originally set to be released for spring 2021, but I guess they had a release window that was looking pretty empty near the end of the year or something. Or people have just been clamoring for WandaVision more than any other of the Disney Plus series, which in my opinion... I'm totally in agreement with because like it seems to be conceptually the most interesting. 
but whatever. What actually happened is Disney was like, holy fuck, we're losing a lot of Disney Plus subscribers. Bump something up that's going to get some people <laughs> to fucking just keep it until yeah. late 2020. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> yeah. fair. <laughs> because our topic for the week ended. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of that, that got second season order already, which to the surprise of literally no one, the Mandalorian yeah. uh, season two is uh, already ordered and is going to be, you know, in production. Probably it's already filming, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's in production. Yeah, because uh, Favs posted like a picture of, of a helmet or something with him, like in the reflection showing that they were already filming season two. Yeah. But it just hadn't I, it just didn't have a, uh, a release date. And now we know that it's coming in less than a year, you know, in like eight or nine months or something like that, which is awesome. Yeah, sweet. More Mandalorian, please. We'll talk about a, a little bit about well, a lot about the Mandalorian, but it's uh, like it's <laughs> overall <laughs> sales pitch at the near the end of the episode let's see what else oh john boyega has been going off a little bit on star wars and you know people are like kind of nodding their heads in agreement with them if not like being vocal about like how certain characters were kind of short shrifted by the rise of skywalker that's been a, a pretty common theme this week too like with people kind of talking out of school now that the movie's out so yeah yeah, a lot of people have been complaining more about uh, Rose Tico, Kelly Marie yeah. Tran's character, not getting much time. And um, I think the director and producer partner of, was it Crazy Rich Asians, basically said that they would want to make a, like a movie or series or something with uh, with that character as well. I'd so, watch it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pie in the sky, but... Yeah. Hey, you never know. It's a Disney Plus series if they wanted to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. If they wanted to do like a more like rise up resistance, like small scale army militia kind of TV show with Rose Tico at the front, I would watch it. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I watch any Star Wars. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But yeah, I saw a video of like the the entire main cast of rise of skywalker and it was they asked them to show us what your face looked like when you were watching the ending credits of the movie and the reactions were mixed at best they were not enthusiastic for sure so you know yeah can't please everybody right. including the people who are in <laughs> yeah, the movie exactly <laughs> right apparently, apparently. Right. <laughs> uh let's see was there anything else that was interesting the final trailer for i guess for the the Dracula series that Stephen Moffat... There's a lot of press around this fucking show for some reason. That's Stephen Moffat. Anything he does is going to get a lot of attention. Yeah, apparently, like, yeah, the new trailer has, like, killer nuns, and it's, like, kind of... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Are you guys going to watch the new Dracula? Because I don't know if I'm going to. Probably not. I got enough shit on my plate right Mm. now. Right, Mark, what do you think about the... Because there was a final trailer that came out for the Dracula series. Are you interested in watching it? It's on Netflix, so like I don't have to pay anything or do any extra steps to watch it. So I will probably watch the first episode like this weekend while I'm working. Is it coming out this is it coming out this weekend? Oh yeah, it is. uh, Oh my god. First, second, third, I think they aired it in the States and or in uh, England, and I think it's coming out over here on Netflix like this weekend, like tomorrow or today or something. Today by the time this this is released or it will be available. Yeah, so I was gonna at least watch the first episode to see what what was what. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll we will see indeed. (laughs) I'm not getting my vampire book. Like my vampire, like my Anne Rice one. Yeah, that like Anne Rice ever. one is a disaster yeah. right now. Sounds like it's production. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sounds like it's going to be one of those production hell things again. So I'm just yeah. like, well, I'll watch the Dracula thing because, hey man, vampires. 
Yeah. And like Supernatural is almost done too, so I need some vampires. Yeah. Speaking of production hell, guess which movie got delayed again? Uncharted, the movie. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say The Flash, because it's usually The Flash when we tell this story. New Mutants? Or- yeah, New, New Mutants. Mutants is the other one, but <laughs> yeah. The Flash is the one that I like telling that story about the most, because it's like yeah. we've had 900 directors, but Uncharted, eh? That's, uh... So wait, didn't we just talk about Mark Wahlberg getting cast as Sully in that like a yeah. couple weeks ago? And so... Tom Holland, who was set to play Drake, um, can't... Young Nathan Drake. Young Nathan Drake, I guess. Yeah. He's now 32, so yeah. I mean, we've got to move on from there. <laughs> yeah, is too busy. He was filming the final Spider-Man in the trilogy, I guess. So that was way more important than the Uncharted movie, which I agree. I would rather see obviously. a spider It's obviously. So, right. <laughs> right? So Travis Knight has uh, left the project, it appears. So uh, bye, Uncharted. The, like, yeah. I... <sighs> I don't, I mean, the games are great. So, like, I don't need this movie, you know? Like, I don't. <sighs> kind of like The what? Witcher? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was at least a book first, you know? Like, Uncharted yeah. is just a video game. And, like, the story is okay, but I don't. Would you watch a movie of that, Paul? Uh, like, have you played the Uncharted games? I played the Uncharted games. And honestly, it's kind of like Resident Evil to me. Like, the the games are already cinematic enough. And Resident yeah. Evil has kind of soured me on the whole, like, they have such an easy transfer from video game to movie, and they never succeeded. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just, you know what? I'm giving up on, like, a decent video game transition to popular media. Only Castlevania, in my opinion, has done it right so far. And oh, that's on the Netflix show? On yeah. the Netflix show. And that, it yeah. took, it's taken, like, what? I don't know. Warren Ellis had to do it. Warren, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And exactly. like they had to get Warren Ellis to write it. So like, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I'm confused by this movie. Cause like, it's basically another, it should be a Tomb Raider. It should just be a Lara Croft movie right. basically. Right. Like, and they keep making those movies. And like the last one was just, Fine. Catastrophically adequate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was fine. I guess I don't know how else to put it. It was fine. I would, and I'd watch another one if they made another one of those. I would watch it, Me and too. I'd probably watch this Uncharted movie if it came out on Netflix or like when it came out on Netflix. But like, I don't. I'd rather see Tom Holland just make like three hundred Spider-Man movies than we'll ever make this movie. I know. So, I yeah, know. I give whatever, no man. fucks about video game movies, and I gave up on them fucking twenty years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just like I. It's. I know that uh, fucking Uvi Bull or whatever the fuck his name is was the one who like really screwed over video games reputation overall as potential uh, movie know, franchises. But he didn't make those Resident Evil movies. Like those movies are really bad. Yeah, like they're just really bad. Yeah, and it's, so like those movies are just it was just mind boggling to me that they went the way that they did because of how like easily they could have transferred the video game scripts and like even the pacing of those video games over to yeah. the films it's just like you, you had it right there and you fucked it up for 20 years so like well that's just, they really wanted to keep Mila Jovovich in every movie inexplicably <laughs> I mean, I, I like looking at Mila Jovovich as she much puts as the ass next guy. In the seats. She does. She puts my ass in the seat almost every time, except oh for like, God. I wait till fucking Netflix because I'm never going to a theater and admit that I've seen one of these Resident Evil movies <laughs> just so that I can look at Mila Jovovich again. You know what I mean? I, with Mila Jovovich, I don't know, man. Like, I am a big supporter. Her as a B movie, like, super bitch queen? queen yeah you know like playing the badass superhero in all these movies like i watched ultraviolet more than once guys like i, yeah. I was hey man i've seen 
I've seen Ultraviolet, and like she was, but she was in Hellboy, and she was terrible in Hellboy. Of she was, and but I still love her. Like yeah. I love Mila Jovovich. I love Mila Jovovich but, like, too. Those Resident Evil movies are fucking god awful. You know so what I mean? Bad. And I've seen them all. It's just like they're so fucking bad, but I've seen them all. Yeah. It's like the Mortal Kombat movies. Like if they're on TV or like I see them somewhere and I'm like, oh, I can just watch this and get baked. Oh, yeah, right. I'm going to watch it. And then just be like, wow, this is terrible, but yeah. I'm having a laugh. Yeah. So, but that's what Emilia Jovovich movie is now is just like, oh, I'm having a laugh. Not, yeah. you know, I'm going to take this seriously. Look, so. How bad can Either the way. fight choreography get? Like, yeah. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. It's like the CW shows make it look better. So, yeah. But either way, <laughs> yeah. like this Uncharted movie, I didn't need it to begin with and i definitely didn't need it starring mark Wahlberg in any way shape or form oh. regardless of whether he was drake or sully so like if this whole thing is just washed now and he's out we're all out yeah thank fucking god let's just move on with our lives yeah is that all the news that i had let me see hold on there's a trailer for gretel and hansel which is a new fucking i guess horror movie or something i don't know didn't they just do yeah. that with uh hawkeye not too long ago was there that was, like an, action, that was a, an action film that it was terrible. It was, that movie was really fucking bad. Holy shit. Yeah, but like, are we going back to that well? Like, are, are we telling the same story? Like, is it the same? Oh, okay, it's pu- public domain, and they've done... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So so they can now, now it's just Van Helsing, right? Because like that other movie was just Van Helsing with witches yeah. and stuff. Like that's what that movie it, exactly. was. Exactly. And so we've talked about terrible movies. Oh. You ever see that Van Helsing movie? <laughs> have I seen Van Helsing? Of course I have. It's one Hugh Jackman's <laughs> in it. I know you've seen it. So. It's in the exact same vein as those Resident Evil movies where it's like, oh shit, this is on TV. It's so bad. Yeah, it totally is. It, yeah. yeah. But like, isn't Kate Beckinsale in it in a corset or something like that for a couple minutes? That's probably why I sat there and watched and, it. No, those are those underworld movies. Yeah. Underworld. Yeah. yeah. Oh, underworld yeah, movies. Same, same same vein. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same. yeah. That kind of like supernatural Schlock. horror action film. B. Yeah. yeah. Just like a B movie. That's what that's what a B horror movie is now, or a B action horror movie is. Is like underworld Resident Evil, like that kind of yeah. stuff. Like if you could picture the fucking deep the Winchester brothers walking through the scene of any of these movies, yeah. yes, you can. And that's exactly <laughs> where these movies belong. The, you know what I mean? They're supernatural levels of movies. It's it's fine. It's great. Yeah. It's but it's pop entertainment at best. The, so. the two of them walking in, just scoffing at the production values and walking away. <laughs> just like, I take it. Fucking no. I take it. Uh, I take yeah. it. I love those boys. So we don't we don't need this, but it's coming anyway. So fuck it, whatever. Hey man, what are you gonna do? Uh, let's see. Uh, that's all I've got for news. Anybody got anything else? No, it's like Doctor New Who years. came back. Oh yeah, Doctor Who's back. That's true. But I, I didn't. I've, I haven't watched it yet. I, I've, uh, I've got it queued up, so I'll probably watch it this weekend. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm hoping to rip through it this week. It's a two-parter for the first episode. Are they both out, though? That's my own. Uh, no, concern. only the first one is. Well, now. then I'm waiting until I can watch both. Fair. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I always do that. Doctor now. Who two-parters, I I don't know if I have as much patience for them as I used to have. Like Some of them are like, they really, really drag those out sometimes. And a, a lot of the ones that are two-parters, I'm kind of like, why did you choose this one to have two episodes when... <sighs> Like it's usually because they really like the guest actor or something like that. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Idris Elba's in this one. That's true. That's true. I heard it's kind of a return to form. A lot of people were like, I haven't finished last season, and it was a little different from what I'm used to with Doctor (sighs) Who. Doctor Who's been pretty bombastic the last couple years, or like recently. You know what I mean? Since the reboot. Yeah. So like last season felt a little bit more low key, and it didn't wasn't just clicking with me at the time. Like I was in the mood for Doctor Who, and it was doing like other like new way of doing Doctor Who, and I was like, no, 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 I want. 
Doctor Who. They well, like, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah, they like pledge not to have any old villains because they want yeah. Jodie Whittaker to sort of have a chance to deal with some new threats before they started throwing the old baddies at her. Oh, uh, yeah. So it took me a minute to get into, but like the, this new season apparently is kind of like we're kind of veering back towards classic, like crazy well, this episode, anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll I'll might dip back in, yeah, and kind of catch up and get there so we'll see yeah. in post cats post-traumatic stress disorder post cats stress disorder that i have as soon as <laughs> yeah. you said idris alba i just saw the shiny <laughs> fur body in my head and then i am seriously <laughs> fucking changed forever because of that movie and i just hear taylor swift's voice going the cavity's not there and it's just no uh, anyway <laughs> are you never what? gonna be able to what? appreciate uh, and thirst over uh, idris elba ever idris again elba needs to fire his agent just fucking like idris <laughs> elba has been in so many bad movies and so many bad roles did see the gunslinger at one uh, point like when it hits like hit netflix or whatever holy fucking shit he does need to fire his fucking agent because yeah. <laughs> like i also saw hobbs and shaw which like while fun mm-hmm. he should have said no to yeah. if he wants to be even vaguely taken seriously ever again. Right. He's like careening from like Oscar worthy actor into like B movie territory (laughs) real fast. And it's just like, no, Idris, we love you. Let's watch Luther again and forget all of this has ever happened. You know? Oh man. (laughs) That show was awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's all I got for news. So let's move into our next segment, which is our geek of the week. Geek, 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 geek of the week where we talk about the geekiest thing we did this week so let's start with mark mark what was your geekiest thing this week oh man i've been watching the 60s batman show so i guess you guys can't see it or maybe you can i don't know how it works because facebook fucking sucks but like i did post the poster that i made this week to my facebook or my instagram anyway so people can see that piece of art that i did so i've been watching a bunch of batman like the 66 batman show and it's breaking my brain because it's so fucking funny like it's just (laughs) hilarious and i'm like i don't know if they intended for all this stuff to be as funny as it is like some of the lines and stuff that come out but i'm like i feel like somebody knew right like somebody knew yeah i mean they were definitely going for camp value yeah no doubt yeah so uh i've just been having a good time like drawing like adam west batman and Julie Newmar Catwoman and that kind of stuff this week while I was building this poster out and watching the show on my laptop while I was doing it. And I've just been like, man, the show's ridiculous, but I fucking love it so much. It's like like comfort food, I guess, kind of thing. It's like I grew up yeah. watching it and now I'm yeah. rewatching it. And I'm like, man. Yeah, it was always on lunch hours. Exactly, right? And it's a different kind of experience watching it as an adult because <laughs> like sometimes like some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths, I'm like, uh... Did okay, that cool. just actually happen? Yeah, did that really? Is that something that just happened? All right, cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right, I'm 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 all here for that. When I used to watch that show, uh, like, this is me being, like, the gayest little child ever, but I was always, I was only ever interested whenever uh, in the title credits you would see the Yvonne Craig as Batgirl yeah, moment. Season three. Yeah, season three. And I was just like, ah, yay, Batgirl's in this episode because she had, like... I actually, like, really want to talk about... I, I think when we do the Batman series, we're going to have to do that movie because I, I have a question for, like, how you feel about the way they represented them in that show because of the Anne Harriet character. You know what I mean? Like, they had to plant the Anne Harriet character in that show so that nobody would accuse these three men of being gay together in a house. <laughs> like, on TV. Right. Like, remember? Uh, like, well, I was just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it since I was a kid, though. So that's honestly, what I mean. You have, like, to, I have, have to, to, you have to watch, watch it, it as a girl. Yeah, because yeah. I have questions about how you would feel about that now. Like, it just feels really. It felt really weird while I was watching it. Oh, they need a beard, right? 
Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Female characters getting inserted for the no homo value, like, it happens a lot. Yeah. It still happens but in it's just, a it's lot so of... it's so blatant in the 60s show, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels so, like, she's so shoehorned in there, like, she has no purpose whatsoever, except for to occasionally be, like, kind of in distress. Yeah. Kind oh, of? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Because yeah. it's always... Like Batman in cartoon bondage distress most of the yeah, time. Basically. Like there's a giant mouse or trap. Or both. Yeah, or Robin or both. Or both. <laughs> yeah, or both. yeah, or them and Julie Newmar for some reason getting tied up because somebody had a kink on that show. I don't know. Like it, it's oh man, baffling. Baffling. There's a there's a lot there's there's a yeah there's a there's lot. a paper oh to be God. written about that show and I'm sure it has been written about that show so <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but either way it was kind of a trip going through that and the print turned out real nice so I'm very happy with it so go follow me on Instagram kids mt underscore will that's what I'm that's all I do now is just do it all the time just Instagram 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 go it's just a, it's just a quick click just do it oh, yeah man and then Come click on. like on the Batman print because it's really cool it's really fun yeah. I'm gonna post the rest of the art like the individual stuff this week but I just wanted to get yeah. the print out there because I was I kind of was laughing at myself for how quickly I got it done I was just so engaged with it I was like oh I'm just gonna get just I'm gonna draw two Batgirls and put the fucking bike in there too blah 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 dude <laughs> I mean like say what you want about that show but like the costuming was kind of fun like everything was kind everything was fun right, to draw like, every fucking epi- like every character on there even like the commissioner with that goofy like the face while he's doing it I'm like yep yeah all oh, this is fun. Alfred with those Coke bottle lenses in there. Like, um, fucking to dime. Draw the distortion, like drawing the distortion on his eyes was just like a trick in a half. Cause like, <laughs> it, it's crazy. Fucking but. drag queen on a dime. King tut. Like that, I actually that was character. thinking about, I was thinking about adding King tut and egghead. Cause I wanted to get Vincent price. In there, yeah. So I might, Fuck yeah. so dumb. I might go back to the drawing board this week and do those too, just to get them in there because they're just so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) So stupid. All right, Tim, what's your geek of the week? My geek of the week. So uh, one of the things that Santa brought our house for Christmas was a copy of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for our Switch. Because we've never really had like any of the, neither Alicia or I like grew up really playing those Smash Brothers games. Uh, We've never had one on like Wii or Wii U. And like, you know, I played them at like other people's houses and stuff and they've been pretty fun. So I figured like might as well get something because we didn't really have anything for the Switch that like, you know, a bunch of people could play together kind of thing. So we got that. and. Yeah, we did. We have we have Mario Kart for uh, the Wii and maybe Wii U. I can't remember. If you have the Wii U one, you don't need the Switch one because it's the same fucking game, basically. Because Mario, it's just. Yeah, Mario I think Kart we 8. have Mario Kart Eight for the Wii U. I double dipped on that one because I'm like, I want that on my fucking Switch because it's Mario Kart. But yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so we've just been fucking around with that. Like, got my parents playing it before they uh, went back to Canada. Got my uh, cousin and her kids came over for Boxing Day, and we were playing it a bunch and stuff like that. So it's fucking steep ass learning curve. Like, it's yeah. mm-hmm. even for a really basic, you know, uh, fighting game. There's it's not the, a lot like, of it gets played at Evo. Like, it gets played in the same things as Street Fighter. Like, it has the yeah. same level of tech to the to it as like a Street Fighter or like a Tekken or something like that. So it's and pretty I still, in depth. I, I still only like understand what maybe half of the items do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's items that I'm like running around grabbing. I'm like, I don't know what this does, but I better grab it. And then yeah, sometimes no. it blows me up. 
Yeah. Smash Brothers was always uh, more of a Paul thing than a me thing. So. Absolutely. I because I think it's is it Hal Laboratories who make that? Yeah. Um, well, you got that first one for my sixty four or for yeah. our sixty four, I guess. And like, yeah. I remember you playing the shit out of it for Ooh, like yeah. a long time. I think that was one of the few times where I actually got to take my PlayStation away from you and play Metal Gear. Was when yeah, you got that's Smash. probably true. Yeah, because you know I wasn't I mean? playing Final Fantasy. Finally, yeah, one of the nine Final Fantasies that were on that deck. Yeah, absolutely. But those Smash yeah. games, you played the shit out of. I remember, like I've yeah. dabbled with them because like fighting games are fighting games and they're all nintendo characters but yeah yeah smash ultimate is pretty amazing i mean like it's my biggest gripe with it was that you had to unlock so many characters and going through the uh and like 80 percent of them i don't fucking know because they're from like japanese uh yeah exactly they're all from fucking fire emblem they're all from fucking fire emblem yeah absolutely or kid icarus or Oh. or fucking yeah see pit like i yeah. played kid icarus as a kid so like i knew yeah. that one but like some of them yeah like ice climbers i'm like what what, what, I, yeah, okay. what the fuck are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that nest kid that just likes lighting shit on fire oh shit. from earthbound from mother earthbound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly yeah it is a huge nostalgia fest for me because like i i've played like almost all of those series um except for fire emblem are ones that and i i got into fire emblem because of smash which a lot of people did because like yeah it, people weren't really interested interested in those characters until suddenly they popped up in melee or no maybe yeah it was melee it was um, melee i think yeah. yeah yeah in the gamecube version so yeah i'm glad you got it it's a fun game it's just like it's so fucking tedious to unlock yeah, the characters like, unless you use the trick for it yeah it took us forever to figure out like how long or like why new characters were unlocking is like i don't think it's anything we're doing it's based but i basically we ended up figuring out it's like for every 10 minutes that you play you get to unlock a new or a chance to unlock a new character kind of thing yeah. it's not like you have to do this well in a fucking fight or anything like that you oh, can unlock okay. them the single player campaign, which is like mm. pretty challenging and like really sharpens your skills for a lot of different stuff. But it's so gimmicky and annoying sometimes that you're just like, do I really have to go through this entire campaign to unlock every character? You don't. Oh, the there are other ways. All this, yeah, the spirit board mm. and all that. It's like it can be kind of frustrating. But honestly, like it's such a fun. Didn't game. they just dump an accelerator pass? I don't know. Maybe they did. I bought the first character pass. Like the season okay, pass yeah. for the character releases because they had yeah. like Joker from Persona Five, they had the hero from Dragon Quest, they had Piranha Plant, uh, yeah. Banjo Kazooie oh, yeah. was one of them. Yeah, because uh, I got I bought the Ultimate Edition and it had like both. It was, there was two DLC packs, right? Mm. I think that was the version I bought because it was like finally on sale last year, and I was like, oh, I think I could get it for fifty bucks. I'm just gonna buy everything at one in one shot and did that. Ooh, yeah. And I've never. I think I booted the software up twice. So <laughs> yeah. that reminds me that Dragon Quest Eleven is on sale right now for the Switch that I have to pick up because it's a New mm. Year's sale. So yeah, yeah. All right. So Super Smash Brothers. That's awesome. My uh, my geek of the week is in a similar like Nintendo vein because I for some reason like I've just been needing some noise in the background while I've been doing stuff. I'm packing up to send my stuff back to Canada, so I've been needing something in the background, and I've just been putting speed runs on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a channel on YouTube, Games Done Quick, who like do a charity twice a year or maybe now four times a year uh, for yeah. Doctors Without Borders. They do speed runs and for charity, which is really cool. Um, but they've got a classic Games Done Quick thing that they've been releasing recently. And I've been watching, putting that in the background. I've watched a lot of Mega Man X speed runs, um, which are really fun to watch. I don't know why they're yeah. so fun to watch. They're like, just I, I, because when you're, I'm playing it, like, I don't know all of the glitches. Like, usually with something like Mega Man 
X. Um, I'm watching them like get these super difficult items with like zero effort, and I'm just like, yeah. God damn it! It's like pretty cool to see um, someone that's, playing uh, at that I've level. Been- I watch the the speed runs to do the same thing kind of thing. Like I'll put them on the background while I'm working and just kind of like watch the guy just do like the craziest shit. I'll even watch um, like Street Fighter playthroughs just to watch technique and stuff. But like, yeah. usually those guys are they're so fucking good. I'm like, I don't. You can't even how? track what they're fucking. Like, what's fucking how the happening. fuck are you doing that? And yeah. like, some of the videos even put like input maps on the screen so you can kind of see what they're hitting. But you're like, I gotta look at both things at the same time. No, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Too much. But yeah, no, I, I I've done the same thing in the past where I just put them on and like tune out, or if I have music on, I'll put them on in the background because like, I don't yeah. want to play, but I just kind of want to see have something moving behind me or while I'm drawing or whatever. And yeah, I like yeah. that in the background too. I watched Super Metroid speedruns, like my favorite thing. Like oh, Metroid Super Metroid speedruns speed are so yeah. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched a Pokemon Emerald speedrun because there's a weird thing that you have to do with the clock beginning of the game to manipulate the random number generator so you can like remove random encounters and things like that it's yeah. so weirdly technical and like how the fuck did you fucking guys figure this shit out god damn it it's so it's really cool like it's all do... rom dumps and shit you know what i mean like they go into the code of the game and it's like yeah. figure out how the countdowns work and stuff it's all mm. like machine learn or not machine learn but like they break it out and like look at the code it- itself to see like exploits and stuff so yeah it's, it's really crazy 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 but interesting and like watching a master at work i think my favorite one though was it was the last or maybe two years ago there was a, a cuphead run by the mexican runner and he yes. did and he's a really funny runner like he's very entertaining to listen to but also watching cuphead get fucking demolished, demolished. Yeah. in like <laughs> half an hour was just like Oh, I'm so like, God damn, you guys are so good. It's ridiculous. I watched a, a zero death run of uh, Super Contra the other day. And I was just like, I don't know who the fuck has that kind of time, you know, like to learn <laughs> yeah, the patterns exactly. that well. Like, it's just craziness to me. But like, yeah, kid did it, you know, in like 25 yeah. minutes or whatever. I was like, all right, good for you. Like, just talent. All right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, that concludes our Geek of the Week. So let's move on to our meat of the episode. Live wriggling frog meat. <laughs> so this week we are going to be talking about the Disney Plus Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. No surprise there because it just finished and we've been talking about it a lot on this podcast because it, um, it's, it's it's Star Wars and we got to talk about it. Apparently <laughs> we got to do it. It's not that we don't want to. No, it's not that we don't. No, we absolutely want to. I, <laughs> I certainly do no matter what. Yeah, this one was in particular, like I was kind of leery about it, but initially, cause, but they were using it as the selling point for people to jump onto Disney plus for sure. Like this was the initial like draw to get people onto Disney plus. Unfortunately, I live in a country where Disney plus is not a thing yet. So I had to download it all illegally. Ha ha Disney screw you. Uh, (laughs) But that being said, go around and give our initial impressions. Let's start with Tim this time, Tim. How, what did you think of The Mandalorian? I was pretty on board with it right from the first episode. I loved sort of the overall tone of it, that like spaghetti western feel kind of thing. The season ended up being a little inconsistent for me overall. There was a like, one or two episodes in the middle that kind of took a dip and, and killed the momentum for me, but finished really strong as well. So I definitely enjoyed it. I think it's, I mean, it's the sort of story I've been waiting for for a long time in Star Wars. That's sort of something that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it 
kind of involves like the force, but it, that's not like really the main fucking thrust of it, right? It's yeah. you know sort of playing around in those in those dark corners, those seedy underbellies of the Star Wars universe, kind of similar to what Solo did. Yeah, we were all nodding our heads in agreement while you were saying we've been waiting for a story like this. Like this yeah. is pretty much like <laughs> yeah, this is like we've been waiting a really fucking long time for. for I think this that's to been happen. like the one thing whenever we talk about Star Wars. This is the thing I rant about the most. Is like stop throwing fucking jedis in front of me and just like give me some scumbag bounty hunters being scumbag bounty hunters for like <laughs> whatever yeah. and like here we fucking are you know and on top of that fabs did it and he fucking crushed it so yeah yeah so mark your first impressions then are pretty positive <laughs> i was hesitant as well because i'm 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 obviously suffering from some Star Wars burnout or something because I'm just a little over it. But I, so I knew we were going to watch it and I knew it was coming out and I knew we would talk about it. So I, I dove in and I knew Favs was doing it. So I was kind of like, I have a feeling that Favs is going to pull this one out for me. And he did, obviously. So I was pretty on board from like the first episode. By like episode two or three, I was like, just I'm not even going to see Rise of Skywalker now. I'm just going <laughs> to. This is Star Wars for me now. And I'm happy to just bumble around with my goofy bounty hunter buddy and his cute little buddy. Let's just do this. This is Star Wars now. So with the lone wolf and his cub. Exactly. Like (laughs) as soon as like they showed me the baby Yoda thing, I was like, all right, we're doing lone wolf and cub. (laughs) Yeah. Works for me, boys. Like you're going to tell the simplest story of all time and just go do it. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of similar for me. Like, I, I don't think I was sold right away right away but by episode three i was definitely like in it because the first (laughs) first two yeah i guess like the the first appearance of baby yoda and things like that like i knew that baby yoda we've got to address this right now are we calling it baby yoda are we calling it the child if we call it baby yoda some pedantic asshole is going to tell us it's not really yoda because we really care about what pedantic assholes have to say about <laughs> how we talk about things on this show. Fuck no, that. we don't. Maybe but I had to. I had to point that out. <laughs> right. Of course. That's that has been my pet peeve the last couple of weeks is assholes in like Facebook groups being like, but actually, Yoda. But actually, yeah. Well, then they should have named the fucking race because we could have called it a baby, whatever that race is. You know what I mean? That's season and I know, two, Mark. I guess, but like, it's Baby Yoda. So fuck them. I'm calling it yeah. Baby Yoda. Yeah, right, I'm going to call it Baby Yoda, Yoda too. Because I keep selling my little doodles of him. So, like, I'm calling him Baby Yoda. Because everybody loves Baby Yoda. The child is is too ambiguous anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, also, yes, yes. Because, <laughs> again, not the only child in the series as well. So, it's kind of like the capital C child. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, it's Baby Yoda. <laughs> like, we're, 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 I'm comfortable with this terminology. So, it's good. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I wanted to kind of go... Kind of episode by episode. I mean, like, actually, let's do things we liked in gripes. But well, let's start with the gripes, because I don't have that many gripes, but there are gripes. So let's talk about the things that we didn't like about The Mandalorian, because I think that's probably going to be pretty short. Let's start with Mark this time. Gripey McGriperson. I'm trying to think if I actually really had that many gripes. Like Tim said, there's a couple episodes down the middle, and I've only watched this once, so like I'm still kind of in honeymoon phase with it. I need to watch it again, but I got sidetracked by new movies this week. So, Did I have anything I didn't like? The Bill Burr thing was distracting, because he's distracting as a human being. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I'm sure once you guys get going, I'll figure something out that bothered me, but right now I'm not thinking of anything off the top of my head. Alright. Tim, how about you? What are Do you have any gripes? 
about the Mandalorian? Yeah, here and there. I mean, the, the biggest sort of one overall is, and I mean, I'm going to be comparing this to Watchmen because Watchmen is like the other big major genre show that I've watched recently. Not The Witcher. <laughs> yeah, fuck The Witcher. <laughs> yeah. And compared to Watchmen, it's this show is it's entertaining, but it's really safe. It doesn't necessarily take a whole shit ton of risks, uh, nope. you know, kind of thing, which is fine. I mean, you know, there's a place in my, you know, TV viewing and movie viewing and media consumption for shit that's just fucking fun kind of thing. But, you know, when I'm just coming off the back of Watchmen, it's even more apparent that like, yeah, you're just playing this real fucking safe and like taking like some real established tropes and just throwing them into the Star Wars universe kind of thing. Yeah. Those are my similar gripes because I had the the same problem. Really, to me, because of how safe it was, it really detracted from the action sequences in this show, which I think were well choreographed, but overall, like, just didn't feel like they meant much. Like, some of them were cool, but because they were so tropey, I pretty much knew exactly how they were going to pan out every single time up to and including like who was going to die and stuff like that. So I was mm. just kind of like, none of these action sequences are doing much for me. Like the character dialogue and the character work and watching those characters on screen was great. But when we got into action sequences, I was kind of bored to be honest. Like some of them were cool. I have to say like generally the, the prison escape episode was like the, the one exception to this, but like even by episode was it episode two or three where the all the Mandalorians come out and like start uh, shooting? Yeah, episode three. Three, yeah. It felt very video gamey to the point where I didn't feel it's like I was watching an intro sequence to a game. You know how there's always like a major battle cinematic. sequence to in, cinematic or like an intro uh, to the game mechanics that's like a war when you're playing a first person shooter Ge- gears of war does this like yeah. uh, call of duty does this and it's just, that's what i felt like i was watching but i didn't get to press any buttons so i was like not super engaged with it yeah, yeah. i like the mandalorian the big mandalorian fight i was there for but there were a couple where i can see where you're coming from where it's like yeah i can kind of see where this is going like mando's gonna get hold of that big fucking or din or whatever we want to call him is gonna get hold of that fucking huge you know machine gun type thing and just just whack yeah. everybody and yeah. yeah 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 so but overall like the the i've already got into gripes because that's that's my personality apparently but uh <laughs> that's the only real gripe i had was that some of the action sequences just didn't feel super engaging but other than that like yeah so let's talk about all the things we like to put the mandalorian oh i i have other gripes oh you let's have just other get gripes out of the way so episode five was like that shitty episode in season two of stranger things that just like kills all momentum for me so that was the gunslinger with it just fucking really drugged down the pace of the season overall and uh jake cannavale bobby cannavale's son played toro calican like the aspiring bounty hunter was just a piece of shit like terrible fucking acting like nowhere near up to the quality of the rest of the uh the performances mm-hmm. he's totally wooden and Holy fucking shit, what a waste of Ming-Na Wen to put her in this fucking series uh, and kill her. Yeah, okay, good call. Episode. That was yeah. really that really bugged me because it's like she they build her up to be this like super fucking awesome mercenary mercenary yeah. assassin and yeah. then it's like this fucking chud of like a, <laughs> like I, he is so he's, he's he's the Star Wars Chad basically Charisma Black Hole like obviously got this gig because his dad was like pseudo famous or something i don't know it was just like 
That really pissed me off because, you know, I love Migna Wen. I love her so much. I love my Mulan. And that, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. So so there was that. And then the, the, the episode after was better. So that was like the prison break episode was better for me. But there was still some stuff in there that really didn't work. In particular, both of those Twi'lek characters, uh, the siblings, I found both of them to be like, obnoxious and just over the top i couldn't really stand either of them anytime that they were on screen they felt like they were in the wrong show yeah i think what the issue is is it's a race that does not visually does not play as evil very well Mm -hmm. and so like i just can't fucking take them seriously as like big badass characters and i think also both of the actors were having a lot of trouble acting through those prosthetic teeth too which i found really distracting yeah i'm with you on that so that is pretty much it yeah, I think those are... I can't think of any other major gripes that I have. That's it. Uh, so let's move on to the good stuff. What do we like? <laughs> what do we like about The Mandalorian? Because there's a lot to like. Mark, back to you. What's your what, what are the good things about The Mandalorian? What I like the most is that it harkens back to the shooting style that Lucas had for the first... Especially for A New Hope, where it's just... I got this, like, that, wet, that spaghetti western kind of, like, long-held takes. Mm-hmm. And, like, they just kind of let everything kind of... minimal dialogue yeah minimal dial and like that kind of stuff too like where there's you're just doing long tracking shots of him kind of moving around and doing whatever he's doing and stuff and there's like not a lot of dialogue and there's a little bit of score it just feels like star wars again because you're doing i don't know there's something about the way he shot those especially the first one where it's got like it has those long shots where you're just kind of like tracking along as they walk through a scene for no reason like we don't need this you could have cut that but it's grindhousey, yeah. so we just kind of left it in. I like that kind of stuff, and that's what kind of makes it feel super Star Warsy to me. Like it felt very much like Star Wars to me because it was doing that stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, that shit helps it feel this. like more lived in and more like a continuous, yeah. uh, continuous spaces that you're living yeah. in." Exactly. So yeah. I was like, I was really enjoying that, like the way they were shooting it, and that's clearly like, I mean, Filoni's a big Lucas oh, yeah. guy, right? So like he was, he would know all that kind of stuff, and Fav's is obviously a Star Wars fucking nuts, so. And when they were tracking these episodes out, I'm sure it was probably like, yeah, we're going to shoot all of this shit in exactly that like Panaflex long continuous shot style and like just let it go kind of thing. I was yeah. like, I'm on board. Yeah. So, and directorially, I mean, that's obviously yeah. like a director cinematographer kind of choice. Like the directors on this show all did a pretty fucking solid job. Like there was some where like Filoni did two episodes. One of them yeah. was the gunslinger and that was, but the first, he also directed the first episode, which was yeah. fucking awesome. Yep. Um, and then Rick Famuyiwa did two episodes that were both pretty solid. Deborah Chow, who's the one that's show running the Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan series, did two of them, including that one, the, the third episode with that fucking like shower of mandalorians i'm then, so glad she's running that new show because i think she was yeah. my favorite director of the bunch because like i think she did three and seven yeah. and i loved episode seven too a lot yeah so. yeah and then bryce dallas howard did episode four which is that sort of little bottle episode in the colony and then taiko did the series taiko watiti did the series finale so like they fucking just killed it with the people that they got to direct the series yeah yeah they did like such a wonderful job of choosing their talent overall with that one acting exception that we already talked about. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't even remember that. I like that episode. I feel like I must not have been paying attention that closely because all I remember about that episode is like, man, they really they wasted Migna Wen. And I was like, yeah, is that what we're doing with her? Oh, well, this episode kind of sucked. And that was that was one of those short episodes, too, where like these some of these episodes have been on, like 30 minutes or like 31 minutes. So they ended. And I'm like, oh, wait, is this done? Yeah. <laughs> 
That was quick. All right, cool. Which is cool. cool. I like oh, cool, I like cool. that. I like that. So because do I. They can do that in streaming, right? You know, they yeah. don't have to pad everything out to 40, 45 minutes. They can pad stuff out to like 50 minutes or an hour if they want to. But if they want to do a little like short 30 minute thing, then they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I liked, but I was just like, in an episode, you've wasted Ming-Na Wen. I'm like, oh, we're going to do a real yeah. short episode too, eh? All right. <laughs> well, we could have maybe at, left a couple of first scenes in there, maybe? No? That would have been All right. Yeah. I think what happened there is that is the only episode that Dave Filoni wrote. He wrote and directed that episode. Six of the episodes, John Favreau was the lead writer on. And then there was one that was Christopher Yost and uh, Rick Famuyiwa. Yeah. Uh, kind of did it together and that was episode six so like the two episodes that i think are the weakest in the season are the one that fabs did not write yeah i was i was looking at that too and i was like it looks like fabs wrote all the best all the the mainline episodes and then the two yeah. kind of filler episodes that everybody's bitching about were not written by fabs so fucking favreau's just gotta be getting writing just right <laughs> i'm actually Damn. surprised he didn't actually take a like a get behind the yeah, he didn't take a director's chair for one of these episodes, but maybe yeah. season two. I think it's obvious that he had a big impact on the visuals because he show ran it, right? Yeah. So it's clear that he had a big impact on like the, the production design and stuff like that and probably had a big hand in, in that stuff. But he just didn't, I guess, yeah, didn't get behind the actual camera. Right. And if they were using this as a potential like, well, we need someone to run, keep running things in the future. And if Favs like, doesn't want to do it like long-term, they need someone to take the helm. And maybe they were trying to like uh, vet some people while they were making this show, yeah. which is probably a smart idea because like, at least when Deborah Chow's episodes came out for the Mandalorian, people were really behind her style and like the success of those episodes. And then when she, she later got announced as the showrunner for Obi-Wan, like people were like, all right, well now we know that she can do it. So let's we're all on board. It'd be interesting to look back at that timeline now and see like when Deborah Chow's two episodes were filmed and when that announcement was made about her show running that uh, Obi-Wan episode. Like, was it like, you know, within a couple weeks or something like that, once they started getting all the started, you know, getting the initial edits together and being like, holy shit, this is really good. Let's put her on that. Like, maybe we were holding back. Let's definitely put her on that series. Well, if Fabs was show running, then he was probably in the editing room seeing everything day to day. And if he's making that call, then yeah, he's probably calling up being like, she's your showrunner for the next one. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Because he's kind of overseeing everything now for Disney Plus, from what I understand, right? Like all the shows are going to kind of, he's going to have some kind of purview over them a little bit. So I, I haven't seen that, but that'd be awesome if that was true. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just like wishful thinking rumors going around. <laughs> I, I don't know. After, after a season of it like this, I'm like, I, I would just give him the fucking keys, but. I don't know. I'm like Kathleen Kennedy. So what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked a little bit about director style. What about like the acting? Let's talk about some of the characters. Cause like got to give it to like most of the cast on this show is really, really well done. Who were your standouts for your, the main characters and like cameo or shorter performances? Uh, Cause there are some that I've, Whenever I see Werner Herzog, I'm just like, I'm on board. I just <laughs> yeah. love that grumbly old fucker. You know what I mean? I just love listening it to him. It shouldn't work, but it fucking does. It just, he just killed it, too. I was like, yeah, yeah. that worked. I was surprised <laughs> felt, it worked. But yeah, yeah. He, he felt right at home as some fucking eccentric, like, rich weirdo in the Star yeah. Wars universe. Oh, yeah. which is, Absolutely. Which I'm not sure what that says about him as a person. Well, yeah. Did you remember his cameo in Californication? <laughs> no, yeah. I've only watched that series once. It's way in the, one of the later shitty seasons, too, but, like... Mm-hmm it was almost exactly the same fucking performance. He almost just plays himself. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, 
I, why does this track into the Star Wars universe so well? Oh, because Werner Herzog's a fucking lunatic. That's just a why. fucking weirdo. Yeah, he's just a crazy person. So I yeah. was like, that one was really good. I really like my the one I really want to shout out is Gina Carano, who I really yeah. like and needs to be in more shit and should have been like. I don't want to say because I love Gal Gadot, but like she would have been my pick for Wonder Woman, at least physically. Like she looks like Wonder Woman to me. So I was like, yeah. And then she crushed it too. Like she was really good the whole season. So yeah, yeah she, she was in there. She was yeah, in four episodes. Yeah, yeah, she was. She yeah. kicked ass. Like that that first fight between her and Din, and uh, or the Mandalorian, yeah. was pretty fucking awesome. Like I don't know, it was just well choreographed, and they both came out looking super fucking badass. Um, yeah. So I just I yeah. Absolutely, Gina Carano was awesome. Yeah. And I mean, all the female characters I was pretty happy with, the main female characters. The other one that uh, really stuck out for me was uh, Emily Swallow, who played the armor. Yeah. Who, oh, yeah. Yeah. She was fucking phenomenal. And again, her, both her and Pedro Pascal, like giving a decent amount of expression just through their vocal performance and their physicality was really yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this should be a note to uh, Robert Pattinson that like, you don't have to take the fucking mask off all the time. Like just keep the goddamn <laughs> cowl on and learn how to act with your body through the, like, yeah. through the costuming. Cause like I thought Pedro Pascal did a really good job of like showing me what he was feeling by the way he was standing all the time. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. nice, good, subtle acting. And then you have to do it in this instance because you can't take that helmet off. And I liked that they never deviated from that. Right. Like I was actually surprised they did it in the season finale where they were like, or oh, we're just going to do it because in front of a droid. I was like, huh, they were going to show us his face. I was hoping we would never, ever see it. Like just never see it. Yeah. Well, at least, at least when they do, they make like, it felt earned when they eventually yeah. did kind of thing. Like it wasn't like it just fucking gratuitous or like, you know, some romantic bullshit kind of thing. Like, let yeah. me see your face or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And when we did, it was only like, it was only for a few seconds and it was in the finale of the season kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't mad at it. Yeah. Same. And like the way that both of them, like the armor and Pedro Pascal use their, their voice, like the cadence of their voice always like, felt like they added a lot of weight to their performance just by the way that they were delivering their lines. Everything was just really well done there. So yeah, kudos to both of them. And yeah, you could just not, not show Pedro Pascal's face. It's such a pretty face. You got <laughs> to get that on screen. Yeah. You got to get that on bloody and sweaty. Yeah. We're, some people are into that, Tim. God damn it. <laughs> Other performances. I was really, I mean, Giancarlo Esposito was basically just doing space Gus Fring, but I was I was still totally there for yeah, it. You're there for it, right? Like yeah. you're totally there for it because like more Gus is more Gus. Good time. I mean, Better Call Saul comes back in a couple weeks, but like yeah. I'll take yeah. more Gus wherever I can get more Gus. Even down to the way that he was written, right? Because yeah. like Gus Fring is this guy that's like uh, got he's got dirt on and information on everybody. He knows you know everything there is to know about everybody that he's dealing with, and then fucking Moff Gideon comes in and he's like, "Oh, we've got Reef Car, whatever the fuck, Carweather's Grief Grief Carga here, the disgraced Imperial Magistrate or whatever," and like he's got all the dirt on everybody, and he's just revealing like laying out everybody's fucking history just yeah. in like two minutes there. And that's, that's that such a fun. fucking Gus Fring move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I did not know Emily Swallow was in Supernatural. No, oh. she was the darkness in like the 11th season of Supernatural. She had a season long arc on Supernatural. I yeah. didn't know that was the same person. That's awesome. She was good in that. Show. I liked her in yeah. that one. 
my personal favorite like cameo or appearance was uh the great amy sedaris yeah that was good she is just like such a joy to watch on screen i'm a huge strangers with candy fan so uh when i saw amy sedaris's pelimato as in was episode four no that was episode episode five. five yeah she was the best part of that episode easily easily yeah and just out of fucking left field. Yeah, it's like, a fucking. I, I like, don't even know. Had they even announced that she was in it, or was it just completely had, fucking? I don't know. I had not heard anything about her being in it. Me neither. So when she popped up on my screen, I'm like, "Is that Amy Sedaris? No way!" And I was just yeah. like enthralled the entire time because like, she she's tight with uh, Fabs, though, isn't she? Doesn't she? Didn't she do something with Fabs before? I don't she's know. Worked she's worked with everybody. She's like like a comedy legend. Yeah, that's why point, I was thinking so. she like I know she's a she's a big comedy like she writes and she does all kinds of stuff. So I was like, I'm pretty sure she's worked with Fabs. So yeah. that's probably where she came in there. This so. is mm-hmm. this isn't my geek cred, but watch Strangers with Candy. Uh, like Amy Sedaris right. is just so it's so funny. She's just the best. <laughs> Watching with Jihoon, he makes films like he's a video editor. When he saw Werner Herzog, he's like, "Is that Werner Herzog? He does acting. <laughs> What's going on?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he does that. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, once in a while. Just when he feels like it. You should show him the random." episode of californication like no context yeah it's fucking weird you should show them that it's fucked up yeah yeah i mean there there were tons of fucking good cameos like right in the first episode within the first couple minutes you had horatio sands played that blue alien dude that mandalorian is hunting and then brian posein played like the shitty cab driver yeah yeah jason sudeckis was one of the stormtrooper voices which was weird he's he's getting so much hate now because he was the one that punched baby yoda (laughs) oh was that him that's awesome that i wanted to talk about that scene because that's scene like i was fucking dying through that entire scene <laughs> and i was like as soon as i saw taika watiti's like name come up as the director i'm like this totally fucking makes sense i was like this feels why does this feel like is this must be the taika episode right and i went and looked it up yep taika because yeah that whole first scene i was like this is the taika thing that is ever taika so yeah, and then the second city's like uh twitter has mm. like asked for space they're like we we do not condone the actions of our alumnus jason sudeikis please give us time to grieve and (laughs) please respect our space kind of thing yeah that's good that's good yeah yeah uh and i mean fav's got his cameo yep who is credited as heavy artillery mandalorian so now like the fans are calling him ham yep which is perfect. Yep. <laughs> uh, who else? Nick Nolte was in this show, which was a that was a weird pull, but okay. Hi, that hi, was, Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And I mean, couldn't even fucking tell. Like, I still, I haven't really figured out how they did that performance. Like, whether they just shrunk down his body or put his performance onto like a little person or something. I have no yeah, fucking clue. They put it onto uh, Misty Rosas. I've got the IMDb here. Okay. Yeah interesting there's a few like so-and-so performance artists uh like rio hackford does the performance artist for ig ig 11 yeah, uh, yeah. but taika the, the does phys- the, the physical performances yeah. yeah and taika does the voice for it so yeah there's a couple yeah, of- and i know i know in some in some scenes they had uh like stand-ins for din as well because you know they didn't necessarily need him to be in the suit in every scene kind of thing well i'm sure they had a stunt double who wore it for a good chunk of the parts where he was getting yeah. tossed around like a rag doll because that's basically what they had him do in <laughs> every yeah. third scene so yeah richard oyoade as zero the droid yeah on that crew in the sixth episode 
in the yeah. jailbreak episode. Pillboy was in this show from The Good Place. Eugene Cordero was in the episode four where he was one of the villagers um, trying to get the Mandalorian to protect them from the Raiders. Oh, yeah. That was Pillboy. Yeah. My boy, Pillboy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Clancy Brown as Berg, the, the big uh, Devorant. De- Deveronian member of Malk's crew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they, yeah, his fight with Din in that like control room was pretty fucking entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like he like blows the uh, flamethrower in his face and he just like fucking shrugs it off. Yeah. And he drops two doors on him and he still survives it. And yeah, that was one of my favorite running ga- gags. Those like being people being killed by giant doors was like had yeah. popped up in a couple episodes. I'm like, I hope they keep this up because it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Uh, that's one of those old, like old old star wars in jokes right like the doors are all seem super fucking dangerous like they've been making jokes about that since mm-hmm. like mad magazine in the 70s so uh yeah. the fact that they're actually paying it off in universe now that it's like yeah these yeah. doors are fucking like super deadly uh is actually pretty funny mm-hmm. when they hang a lampshade on a bunch of fucking star wars tropes and shit too like they took multiple shots at fucking stormtroopers not being able to hit the fucking broadside of the barn. <laughs> that like, so there, there was that there was that Jason Sudeikis like yeah. uh and and uh the and the other guy Adam Pally, you know, I think was the other shots. One? Yeah, Adam Pally and they just fucking can't hit that thing at all. And they start shaking their blasters like it's the fucking blasters fault. Yeah. Uh, and then Bill Burr's character had that line uh, where they they took a shot at uh, whichever character being a formal former Imperial sharpshooter, and Bill Burr's like that doesn't say much. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is funny because he's supposed to be some kind of sharpshooter and he can't hit fucking anything either. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was nice. Like it had that, and and this is going back to Fab's writing. Like it had a perfect like John Favreau mix of like action and intrigue and heart and comedy and like a little bit of trope subversion yeah. here and there kind of thing. Not much was, though, but uh, no, just very enough. little. But once in a while, yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Every once in a while, you just got to do the straight thing before you go crazy with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just tell the. It's like the old pro wrestling thing. Sometimes the fucking face has got to win the, the belt. You know what I mean? Like, they have to yeah. win at the end of it. So, I don't know why in this case I'm fine with it being a little bit straighter. Whereas, like, with Rise of the Skywalker being all like fuck you doodle all over the place, I was yeah. like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah. that's Christ. part of it, right? Is that like The Last Jedi did take a lot of risks and I was okay with the majority of them, but a lot of people weren't. And so, start like, Kathleen Kennedy and the other like Lucasfilm and Disney executives were probably looking at this and being like, all right, let's do something relatively safe here. You know, let's not, you know, fucking try and upset the Apple cart too much this time around. Especially because they're really trying to sell a new service with it. Like that's the basis of the entire reason why they're making this show is because they can sell this Disney plus thing with it the worst thing that could possibly happen for them is to be like we've dumped all this money into the show because this show's more expensive than fucking game of thrones per episode to make oh yeah and you can tell like you can tell it's got a fucking high budget mm-hmm. oh yeah but mm-hmm. you can also tell it's not as high as the movies like there's a couple places where there's some cgi jank oh and, yeah absolutely you know, yeah, there, but- like there's there's places in particular i notice it where they have live action characters or elements interacting with cgi elements and you're like okay yeah i can see the seam a little bit there but it's usually like really quick and you know not enough that it really uh, breaks immersion for me mm-hmm. it's also a lot better than what you'd get almost anywhere else like exactly it's, yeah. it's yeah. probably like the only the only other show i can think that had effects this good on a tv budget were star trek recently you know what i mean like that in terms of yeah. them being pretty like <laughs> and that one didn't hold up when you looked past the effects <laughs> exactly as soon yeah. as you got past those special <laughs> effects it was like oh this is not written by john favreau let's yeah. just put it that way we'll just put it that way yeah <laughs> cool. i want to work with cbs Definitely in the near not. future so <laughs> Maybe we'll just say 
not written by John Favreau. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think maybe the best, I don't know if you want to call it a cameo or not, because he ended up being a major character, was, or one of the best was IG-11, was Taika Waititi Taika, as yeah. IG-11. Yeah. I was, I was definitely disappointed when he died in the first episode. I was like, come on, you can't like fucking put Taika Waititi in the show and then just kill him off in the first episode but then like it was perfect when they brought him back as as uh, baby yoda's nurse yeah the nurse droid yeah. fuck that yeah. killed me i was dying i was like of course it's got to be taiko who's gonna be doing that bit too only yeah. blow him up again but i have a feeling that we have not seen the last of the ig units overall in yeah in the series uh, hopefully especially not the, the taika voice IG. That's what yes. I'm hoping. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Is that there's this one of my favorite scenes the whole season was watching IG eleven like in that last episode, just come in and fucking wreck about twenty stormtroopers yeah. in like two minutes. <laughs> Even the first time it showed up, it was at episode two. Two. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was episode one. It was the end of episode one. Was it the end of episode one? one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he yeah. comes in and just like wreck shop. I was like, this fuck's sick. Because you've never seen that thing actually move before, right? Like maybe I haven't. Like, I haven't seen it move before. You know what I mean? Like, maybe in a video game or something like that, or some, like, what are those shows? Like, Rebels or whatever, like the the CGI shows? But never in a live action. Yeah. Yeah, like, I've never seen one of them actually move around and, like, just fucking wreck house before. I was like, this is cool as shit. It was cool, but that was one of the scenes where it felt like, man, like the initial enemy count on the screen does not match how many fucking corpses there ended up being. And it just went a little too long for me. And it kind of was the, it's the a problem I have with a lot of these shoot, shoot em out scenes where it's just kind of like, yeah. okay, there was like five or six guys at the beginning of the scene. And then we've shot 30 people and we're still getting fired on. I'm like, the, come on, man. Spaghetti <laughs> Western, man. You really got to go watch some old like Eastwood movies because yeah. it's basically it was a hundred percent like an old Eastwood movie. I know where that he's getting shot at from like where? Where is he getting shot at from? Doesn't doesn't matter. He's just getting shot at. That's how this movie works. I've seen so. Fistful of Dollars. I've seen all yeah. those movies many times, so I know that it's this the is bad the ugly boys. Yeah, but it was just kind of like like because everything else in the show is so like pretty tight like even like the the minimal dialogue and so like i know this like the the shootouts are where they are supposed to get bombastic and stuff like that but it's still they still felt a little bit flabby to me i think they were just showing off their budget so yeah i was kind of cool with it like everything looked good so i was like i'm fine with it and because it was working inside that framework where we were like we're, this is basically a spaghetti western so we're going to do these long gunfights that maybe don't track properly because we're editing in a bunch of footage from a bunch of different places that don't really matter anymore overall i was fine with them like don't don't get me yeah. wrong like this is a very minor gripe because like it just took me out of the fight scenes a little bit where i was like super engaged with everything else i was like medium engaged and maybe checking my phone on occasion uh, while the <laughs> the fight scenes were going a lot of the fight scenes that were a lot more like interesting close quarters quarters were super tense and awesome and well done. Like, especially when he's like actually hiding from people and doing his solid snake impression through like some of the episodes. (laughs) I was like super down for that. So yeah. Yeah. Just like the big outdoor shootouts were kind of for me. (laughs) It's just star Wars, man. I was like, I was in for it. So it's like big star Wars shootout plus big, basically western shootout i was like i'm on board let's have we're having fun yeah we're having fun some of those close quarters ones like the one in episode six the prison break one where uh they just let him take out all those fucking droids like that was, that cool. was 
that was yeah that one was really awesome and it's always cool too where you see him like using all of his you know not just like doing hand-to-hand combat sort of thing using all of the little you know using his fucking grappling hook and using the fucking whistling birds and and the flamethrower the flamethrower and yeah and then and also using his enemies against each other and the fact that he knows that he's protected with the beskar and everything so like he would take shots willingly knowing that he could you know ricochet off or then you know grab somebody's gun and make them shoot their fucking partner or some shit like that yeah fight choreography in general was really cool like that's why i liked watching those a lot more than the big old like outdoor gunfights because the pacing of those that fight choreography was super intense and really fun to watch Uh, whoever pedro pascal's stunt doubles were in that one were doing a great job so yeah Mm -hmm. really i agree with that fully super good anything else that we want to praise about this show because there's a like there is a lot to going back to production-y kind of stuff the fucking soundtrack is phenomenal yeah it's Ludwig uh, Gorenson who did the soundtrack to Creed, which you can definitely hear. There are some like some Rocky influences in there, but it's also like super Ennio Morricone, you know, which is the guy that scored like all those spaghetti westerns back in the day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right down to that like little whatever it is like bass clarinet or whatever riff the yeah which even that like felt very star warsy too like using kind of oh, yeah. off kilter not super common instrument to mm-hmm. do some of the like late motif work or something like that or scene transition kind of stuff yeah was very like on brand for them yeah i think the score was really good throughout the whole season so yeah yeah yeah, definitely worked. The sound design overall was really well done. That's a really important part of Star Wars now that because the the sound yeah. design in A New Hope was so unique and like had so many special sound effects that have obviously carried over throughout the entire franchise. Like hearing those things like used just the right amount, I think. Like they were they yeah. didn't over overwhelm you with the Star Wars sound effects Mm -hmm. but just gave you that the the taste of them here and there yeah just enough like getting that little bit of tie fighter or whatever because that has that very distinctive like engine whine or like the yeah yeah or like something like that like you're like i'm just waiting at this point now they're gonna have to do a lightsaber flick on at some point because like just to get the sound effect in there they did they did they did they i think did the dark saber the dark saber at the very end yeah yeah i didn't quite catch a sound cue that was exactly like that real bassy hit but well i've only watched it once so and i did have questions about the dark saber too so i wrote out some stuff on the dark saber because i knew i was gonna have to explain it yeah yeah i think i've watched I've watched every episode at least twice already. There are some, the first few I've watched like three or four times now. Cause like my dad was down and he hadn't watched it. So like I watched like through the first five or six episodes with him and my sister and her husband were only up to like episode two. So I watched a couple episodes with them as well. So for every episode, I'm between like two and four viewings, I think now. <laughs> nice. Okay. I watched it weekly because we kept talking about it and then I wanted to get back and like do a rewatch. But this week was kind of just not conducive to sitting down and doing a rewatch because I'm not in my own place again. Yeah. But yeah, so that reveal at the end of the of episode eight where Moff Gideon cuts out of his TIE fighter with a lightsaber that looks like it has like a black blade. Yeah, that is the dark saber for starters. That was fucking an awesome reveal, and I was pretty impressed with how well they rendered that in live action. It's something that people would only know about if they've gone like into the sort of expanded universe stuff, into the animated shows kind of thing. So the Darksaber was a black-bladed lightsaber that was created by the first Mandalorian that was inducted into the Jedi Order. 
And then it was later handed down through generations of Mandalorians for like over a thousand years during the Clone Wars. So this is a Clone Wars animated series where Darth Maul first makes his reappearance. He killed Prey Vizsla, who was the current Mandalorian that had possession of the Darksaber and took it for himself. And then he ended up fighting Palpatine, fighting Darth Sidious with the Darksaber. It also pops up in the hands of the Mandalorian character Sabine Wren, who is in Star Wars Rebels as well. So at some point after Star Wars Rebels, because Star Wars Rebels takes place before Episode 4, Moff Gideon apparently got his hands on it and now has it. So I, th- I think it's cool that it has that Mandalorian connection as well. Yeah. I was surprised because when he pops out with it, I was trying to figure out what that special effect was supposed to be because that was the only special effect the entire season that I was really like, that looks weird to me. Like it doesn't look like it holds it looks up foreign. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I have to watch it again. Yeah. Well, cause it's, it's different. It, it has a blade that's more like a traditional blade shape rather than like the yeah. more just cylindrical shape of a, uh, of a like traditional a lightsaber. lightsaber kind yeah. of thing. So. Cause it looks like there's actually a physical blade inside the prop he's holding too. Like there's actually something in there and that's what they're using to do the cutout, like the mask or something like yeah. that. It's got a weird visual effect to it, which like I need to get used to, I guess more than anything. Cause right now it just looks like an unfinished lightsaber effect. <laughs> I yeah. guess. So they just like, didn't color in the middle. <laughs> yeah, like they missed they missed the the mask in the middle or something like that. So it just looks kind of funny to me right now. Maybe I'll get yeah. used to it as it goes on because I don't know. It's neat. Like it, like I I went and looked up what it was because there was an IO nine article about it as well that yeah go read that I read up and yeah. I was like oh that's interesting. It even has like a Mandalorian connection to it, which yeah. is good and cool. Yeah. Also, it means yeah, exactly. he's going to have to steal a lightsaber to fight him at some point. So there is that. See. I don't know if Besk. I, I assume Beskar probably could not hold up to the dark saber, but it'd be interesting to see. I don't know. It's one of those, you know, one of those fandom questions, right? Like, would a lightsaber cut through Cap Shield or like fucking Wolverine's claws or whatever? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so that, that's really cool, and that fucking ended off a really awesome final showdown as well yes. between between. Din getting and using his rising phoenix, his jetpack, yeah, and blowing up Gideon's Tie Fighter. That was fucking. That was badass. Yeah, which came off of like the week before, Baby Yoda using the Force healing, and for some reason not using it again in the episode eight. But that was pretty cool too. Like, no, he had he, he, he'd already he was already asleep, he was asleep because he yeah. turned back the fire. Yeah, with the against the the yeah the pyro trooper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, right. I remember that now. Yeah, that was yeah. that's fun. That felt like a video gamey kind of reveal too when they brought the pyro trooper in. That was I'll give you guys I'll yeah. give you that video gamey kind of nod, Paul, because that definitely felt like the, the little action cutscene in like a yeah Hideo Kojima game where yeah. they would like flash <laughs> it and then you get the little like subtitle where it tells you it's pyro trooper and yeah. he does a little pose or whatever <laughs> yeah. and I was like. All right, yeah. like, can I fight him with a lightsaber now? Like, oh no, I'm not playing Fallen Order. I'm watching a TV show. No, you're playing. Right. Yeah. You're playing God of War, where you press X to Baby Yoda or something like that. It was a <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. kind of event. QTE. Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked that much about Baby Yoda yet, really. And I mean, he's fucking like the thing that caught on on this show. Yeah, like has the widest appeal, probably. Definitely. Yeah, but it's, I think it's very, it's very memeable appeal. Like, I don't it think is. it's like story appeal or anything. Like, he's just super cute, and it's yeah. Because you know what he is? He's a mogwai that's green. Like, that's yeah. like he is. I actually looked at them side by side and was like, oh, shit, he really is just like a green mogwai. Cool. All right. Good. I mean, whatever works, works. Right. So there you go. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like the idea that they're using that race to kind of move the overall story of Star Wars 
forward i guess like yeah. i don't know what the story actually is and but like just from what i've a little bit i've kind of gleaned from the internet and stuff it sounds like there's much more to a uh, yoda birth than they've really shown in the show so far so yeah yeah there are a few moments with baby yoda that were super endearing that like um the way that the physicality of din really shone through was the way that he interacted with yoda um like the yeah. way that he unscrewed the top of that handle to like hand yeah, it over that stick with the knob with the knob yeah. was super cute like i was i was kind of yeah, like ah yeah, the way that he takes defensive stances like uh, or gets really up in arms when he's around baby yoda like you could see the tension in his body when he's nearby and there's danger because like he has to show how much he cares about baby yoda in certain contexts and did a really good job with that and baby yoda was just like never annoyed me which was great like there are some like (laughs) mascot characters where you're just like fucking hey Hey, this is the star wars franchise we are well aware of annoying mascot franchise characters yeah (laughs) yeah so there's a lot of them a lot of a them. lot of really yeah. annoying franchise characters, but this was not one of them. There were a couple of times, like every once in a while, maybe once every like two episodes, they would have uh, Baby Yoda make like a totally canned noise that you could tell was just like taken off. You know, it wasn't modified in any way, shape, or form. It was just like some canned baby laugh that they got or something like that. It was just there was just a little bit too cutesy, and I lost immersion a couple times when they did that. Yeah. The thing is, they're walking such a fine line with the child. Like, you know, it's they'd still want to keep some like mystery and and some some gravitas to it but they also want to make it this like fun fucking memeable mascotty kind of character too so i think the solution for that might be that they actually hire a, a proper voice actor to do the noises and stuff of the child like what they did with like bill Hader for bb8 mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and just take a little bit more time with those noises rather than just using like hey we've got this library of baby laughs and and grunts and stuff let's just grab one of those or at least like modulate them somehow so yeah. they sound a little yeah. bit more alien and weird because like that would be my a little bit more frank oz like because yoda's yeah. like yeah. frank oz's yoda voice is so like distinctive you know like it's very that and i like i don't get that at all from baby yoda where it's like where does this weird is that an accent then like is his weird voice <laughs> modulation just like because he grew up he grew up in like the like the, the rough neighborhood or something like that. So he, he, you know, yeah, I don't know. That's why and he now, like that. I don't know. Yeah. And now the other question that everybody's having is like, is Yoda's speech pattern like is that genetic somehow genetically inbred, or will this baby Yoda, the child, whatever, end up having like a no- normal speech pattern because it's raised around people that don't talk like Yoda does, or yeah. it's going to have no speech pattern because it's raised around a Mandalorian that doesn't <laughs> yeah, who speak doesn't at all. Fucking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, fucking thing's not going to learn how to talk around him. So yeah. I got to say that baby Yoda puppet, which they're using for a, a lot of the of shots, yeah. is. Yeah really fucking outstanding it's so expressive yeah yeah it's really expressive very cute yeah the puppetry on the show has been very good actually like that and that's something we should shout out is like there is some cgi stuff but there's a lot of practical they're pouring into this show which really helps like ground everything into like star warsy like feeling like star wars yes yes i was gonna shout that out yeah i feel like the puppets are always a big part of star wars feeling like star wars for me too like the prequels kind of lacked it as they got more and more CGI and the sequel trilogy went back to it. So like, that was part of why I think if I could give any yay to the sequel trilogy, it's like, yeah, you guys went to the practical again. Like the things Mm. were physically in the room with you and stuff. And it feels like it. And that's what kind of helped them feel like star Wars. And that's what 
that did for this show too. And like that Yoda puppet is the best example of it. Cause it is like super, super well-made. So yeah, it really is. So did you had, were you guys spoiled on baby Yoda before you saw the actual reveal on the episode? No. No. Also, no. Yeah, that was. Okay. Uh, I saw it. I stole it and downloaded it as soon as I possibly could, so I wasn't spoiled on any of it. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I think, what, either you guys mentioned it or I saw on the internet somewhere like like you don't want to get spoiled for this episode yeah. of Mandalorian or something like that. So just go fucking ki- if you haven't if you're waiting to binge it or whatever. Like just go watch the first two episodes so you know what they're fucking talking about. And I was yeah. like, fuck it, I'm just gonna start watching this week to week because something's going on. And I got to watch it like as Baby Yoda got unveiled. I was like, oh yeah, it's a baby- because those. Yoda? Those spoilers Yoda? fully, fully got like they caught fucking fire online again because it's such a memeable character. Yeah. So like, if you did not, I wasn't spoiled on it as well. But I think basically, if you were not able to watch it within like twenty four hours of yeah. that episode dropping, you were pretty much inevitably going to get spoiled because the memes were already everywhere. The fan art was already popping up everywhere, Oops. kind of thing. And so- sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. But that was my bad. <laughs> you didn't have your your fan art up like the same the week same i don't week, think yeah. as the first episode i think it was like the week after i put it on instagram for sure but yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a week, uh, yeah a week after i think is okay yeah so let's see like are we still doing things we like because i still got okay, go for it Tim. i fucking I just, I just love this show man i could talk about this show all goddamn go day. for like, it i had such a good time watching this I, I can talk about like being a Star Wars nerd that at some point in my life knew like a lot of weird fucking stupid details about the Star Wars universe. I found like the for starters, I found the overall settings were really cool, like and the time frame of it, like this empire in decline, like some Imperials that are still desperately trying to hold on to power while like you've got mercenaries that are using scavenged stormtrooper armor and shit like that. That's all fucking banged up and I think also because it's Star Wars, even though it's not necessarily a part or time period of Star Wars we've seen before, they were able to use shorthand for so much of the exposition because it's Star Wars. Everybody knows the general history of this kind of universe. And I'm glad they didn't like shy away from just like, okay, we're talking about Endor now and we all know what Endor is. So like, I don't have to go give you an explanation. Yeah, this is where the Death Star base shield thing was in Return of the Jedi. So I really, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that they were just like, okay, you guys know Star Wars. You're watching this because you know Star Wars. And if people have questions, they can look it up. It's fine. Good. Yeah. I'm glad they did that. Yeah. And as well, they, they visited, you know, some legacy like locations. They had like some legacy species and even like little props and shit like that too. Like they brought back fan favorite races and settings like the sand people. Like they went back to Moss Eisley. That was where Amy Sedaris's character was mm-hmm. whatever species that bounty hunter Bosk was that like lizard species kind of thing. There were some more of those around yep. the fucking ice cream maker from cloud city <laughs> that came back. Do you guys know about that? No. So in cloud city in the background, like when they're sort of evacuating it after the empire takes it over, there's this black dude carrying around something under his arm that looks like an ice cream maker. And it's just been one of those things that everybody's been like, what the fuck is that? Like, clearly it's just somebody fucking pulled that off a kitchen aid. And we're like, here, carry this through the scene kind of thing. Yeah. And then it's what the client gives Ben all of that Beskar in. Okay. Uh, yeah. When he pays him for bringing the child. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, actually, you know what? Like, that's like, you're going to call back to something that, especially when the fan base already has a question about it. Like, they just, that's pretty cool. Good for them. Yeah. 
that's the kind of fan service shit that I like when it's like they've thought it out and it Deep gives you cut a really kind of cool pay cut, like payoff to something yeah. that doesn't mean anything. Like it does, that doesn't affect the original trilogy at yeah. all. Like it doesn't yeah. change anything about me watching Empire. <laughs> all it means is that dude was had a fucking armful of money that he was trying to take. Yeah, with him. yeah, basically like he was carrying a vault <laughs> with him. Like cool, that's, that totally makes sense to me. So like, yeah. perfect. Now I know what that was. Right? Like it's not just like. Why was there an ice cream maker in that scene in right. Bespin, which I would never would have asked because I don't watch these movies that often. And it wasn't overly <laughs> reverent to it. Like this is a, one of the problems I had with the solo movies that like everything needed to have a story like Han's blaster or like a uh, Chewie's like bandolier oh, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, it's like does everything need to have a fucking backstory? Can it just be like like this was just like a cool visual nod, and you didn't have to have this like thing about it. I like that. Yeah. I think my thing with like I liked all that stuff in solo. Like I liked that everything had its little spot. I was just like, why is this all happening within the space of two hours in his yeah, life? Yeah. Where he's getting his name, his gun, his vest, he's meeting his best BFF, and his BFF's getting his dog collar or whatever the fuck that thing's supposed to be. <laughs> and we're like, he's getting his ship all like, whoa, everything's happening all at once. I'm like, okay, cool, that's a lot. That should have been three movies, all of this should have happened in. Yeah, exactly. Not this should have happened over the course of fifteen years. Not, yeah. Not three weeks yeah so like that was a little that was my probably my biggest problem with solo but like they were gonna do it so they're just gonna do it right so yeah yes there it is and then there was even a nod to the star wars holiday special yes well they call life day out in the first episode they 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 do call life day out so that's fucking canon now which is amazing hilarious Uh, (laughs) but there's also there's one point where din is riding one of those bipedal characters that he and quill like subdue yeah uh oh yeah and and that is a total throwback to the the first shots of Boba Fett in that in the animated portion of that holiday special as well. So that was a nice little nod as well. I thought they were called Blurgs, right? Is it Blurgs? Yeah, I they were yeah. Because yeah. every time yeah. I was all like no. Thirty Rock, is that a Thirty Rock reference? Because I was like, that's probably. A, <laughs> it's like Blurg. <laughs> that's what, that's a, where um, my mind went, but whatever. <laughs> it was something like that, which is weird because then Clancy Brown's character was called Berg, and that's pretty close. Yeah. But- yeah. But then they also did some cool world development kind of shit too. Like they brought in new races that I've never seen before in Star Wars shit, like those dog people raiders yeah. in that sanctuary episode that looked like the orcs, like from Lord of the Rings, had been fucking wargs, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll accept that. <laughs> uh, it was also cool just to see a Star Wars property that focused on different like firearms and blasters and shit like that rather than all fucking lightsabers right yeah like getting to see what a fucking mandalorian's rifle can do was oh the amazing i like that that's because that's kind of like that shout back to empire strikes back where like vader no says disintegration like, no, no disintegrations and he points yeah. at boba fett and he's like kind of shrugs <laughs> at him and i was like oh that's why he said that to boba fett that's cool because that rifle yeah. when he uses it against the jawas i wasn't expecting them to fucking pop like that <laughs> yeah it's like he stuck him in a microwave and he shot like when he shot them i was like that's disgusting but cool as shit like it's almost a jedi death because like the robes hit the ground so maybe yeah. maybe it makes Maybe the Mandalorian's rifle makes force, force ghosts. There's <laughs> a bunch of Jawa force ghosts just bumming around now. Bugging the shit out of Luke. Like <laughs> That's one of the things like, I wanted to talk about was like the, the lore behind so the Mandalorians that they've suddenly decided to just start like really oh, building shit. out, which is so really cool. cool. It really helps you kind of make 
Boba Fett not seem like a bumbly fucking idiot who falls into a sand pit and dies when he's part of a race of also other badasses that we're actually aware of and are not just like extended universe stuff that Eric ranted at me about while we were in high school. Or, <laughs> and not just clones of Django Fett or Also whatever. not just fucking clones of Django Fett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the other yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway. No, and I, I love that. I loved all that stuff with the, the Mandalorian, like the covert and everything. And I mean, yes, the those Mandalorians coming up and fucking like just wrecking the other bounty hunters was super awesome, especially because like that's one of the first times we've really like seen a whole one a whole bunch of Mandalorians together in live action like that, and two like them properly using their fucking jetpacks because like neither Jango Fett or Boba Fett could use that fucking thing to save their lives. Yeah. No, Boba's like notoriously shit with it, like <laughs> like really fucking bad with it. So yeah, but then the stuff I really loved was again the stuff with the armor, like how they ritualized the creation of the armor and the sigils and everything like that. I thought was really really interesting, and you know showing more. Of of that religion of the Mandalorians rather than just them being some badass bounty hunter kind of guys. Yeah, yeah. That whole thing around the credo and how like everything was for the survival of the foundlings. So that one guy getting in his face in episode two or three, when the, the uh, he's giving the Imperial steel to the armorer to make his armor and stuff like that and he like straight up says oh it was like it wasn't a clean kill i don't deserve my signet because you like i guess mandalorians get signets based on like a major kill that they have or something like that or some kind of association with their kill it's the star wars version of the boy scouts you get your (laughs) your sash and badges sure yeah sure yeah Yeah. so that becomes a thing where he gets his signet later on in the season which was pretty cool yeah i like the whole religion and credo of the Mandalorians was interesting to watch and given like an interesting level of reverence uh, mostly by the armorer who did such a a fantastic job of building up like the mystery of it while still being very like pragmatic and warlike like okay we this is what we need to do to get things done in this universe and like all right and then like the fucking massacre of the entirety of his like clan was pretty fucked up too but you know yeah. Also worked a lot to like show that this is a race that is like very tightly knit, even though they they seem uh, like divided. divided and like lo- all a bunch of lone wolves kind of like stuck yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah. still have by following this code, they like have a level of community, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what else? I mean, the other stuff I have is like. Do you guys have any? Oh, it was also it was really cool that they um they actually had a deaf person playing the sand people, uh, and so the, when they're communicating back and forth uh, with Din, they're actually using American Sign Language. I did not know. Which I thought oh, was I, another really awesome touch. Yeah, I did not know yeah. that, but that is cool. But then the other stuff I have is like just questions for season two. Like, what do you guys want to see out of a second se- season of this show? Yeah, I had that question too because I was like, I need them to build out. Obviously, they're going to build out the Yoda storyline. I but yeah. I wanted to I wanted to simmer. You know, like there's some things that I want. We need to keep a little bit of this quiet mystery around it. Like I love the idea of Moff Gideon being like kind. Of, I don't know how I want him to shake out exactly. Kind of a Moriarty where he is like an overall big bad and is like pulling strings 
throughout this uh, the series but at the same time like i don't want them to overuse him because i can see him being a character that's just because he's like he's such a know-it-all he knows everything like that can get tiresome really quickly from a storytelling standpoint where like your bad guy is just so all-knowing that it's kind of like well how is he not one already then you know like yeah i need them to balance that pretty well but i do want to see more we need to start seeing like flaws in his character yeah 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 i mean we're only like two episodes in with him really so like yeah i'm totally willing to like suspend my goodwill towards the fabs that he knows what he's going to do for next year and not fuck that character up on me at this point if they just keep it kind of going i don't like i don't know how long they want to go with it like i'm not sure what they're trying to do here you know what i mean like are we gonna are we just doing three seasons are we like gonna make eight like we're just gonna fucking keep doing this thing forever because at that point just go do shit lone wolf and cub went off like three thousand issues because it's just like samurai guy wandering around killing shit you know what i mean with his (laughs) baby attached to him yeah so like there's all kinds of stories you can tell with this. Like it's basically just another samurai story, but like we're obviously all on board for this. So like, yeah. just go tell gunslinger stories. Like there's a million Western stories you could retell in the star Wars universe that you just have to tweak a little bit and add some aliens to that'll be super compelling to watch in the star Wars universe while you're developing your bigger story arc and stuff. So I could see the show going on forever or it could just be like super tight, like three season thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I want. I just want it to not suck. <laughs> just yeah. don't suck. Fabs keep making it good. That's all I want. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing more about the baby Yoda, the child, like people and planet. Like, it's going to be cool to learn more about a whole race of aliens that seem to be inherently force sensitive, whereas like every other race, it's like one in a million or billion or whatever ends up being fucking force sensitive. So, but I mean the, the real thing that I'm interested in after this season, especially after having sort of rewatched it over the past few days is learning about the child's sense of morality, because like it does some stuff that could be interpreted as good. It also does a lot of stuff that could be interpreted as self-preservation. It also fucking force chokes Cara Dune at one point. That's yeah. true. It does. Yeah. So, well, I, <laughs> the questions about it, it's moral leanings are here and there. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to do there, but that's a question that like, that's what the point of the series is, right? That we get to explore. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops over time and how the Mandalorian is maybe part of shaping his morality and that kind of thing. Yeah. It also makes me question Yoda because like he gives Luke a ton of shit for not being great with the force at first. And it's like, you were fucking born with it apparently. So does that make him kind of even more of an asshole in empire than he already was? Yeah. Cause he's kind of a dick in, in empire anyway. So it kind of tracks, but he's real shitty about like how bad Luke is with the force. And it's like, you're fucking born with it. So like, yeah. bite me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really interesting to like what Tim brought up about the morality of the child, just because like, I think of morality, like in terms of big picture stuff that a lot of philosophers believe that language is a huge part of morality. Like obviously our actions are what uh, help us determine who is good or bad, but like the concept of good or bad needs to be, like justified, expressed, solipsism, whatever, all that stuff. So if we don't get the child communicating in any way other than its body language, are we going to be able to like 
find that out? Or is he just going to be like a holy hand grenade, like magical weapon plot device thing for, throughout the entire series? Or are they just going to have the Mandalorian talk about it with his ragtag group of buddies? Which <laughs> I love a ragtag group of buddies. We love it. <laughs> I so I was actually kind of surprised they didn't they weren't going that way going forward. Like they weren't going to have like Carl Weathers and Cara Gugino, like Cara. Yeah, yeah, and like follow him along and be like his crew. I'm like, they'd be expensive cast to keep around for a bunch of seasons of this show. So I, I can kind of understand why they didn't. But I felt at first they were like, <laughs> no, Carl Weathers only needs a chicken bone and then he can make soup and he's good to go. He doesn't need right. a- <laughs> I assume like, I'm just saying, I assume, you know. Oh, Arrested Development. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's also. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Carl, let's say, I mean, nobody's really talked about Grief Carga too much. He was, fine. he was fine. Yeah, yes. I didn't. He was there. Like I don't, I I don't hate Carl Weathers. He's just you know, Carl Weathers is Carl Weathers. He does his Carl yeah, Weathers he, stuff. Yeah, like a lot of his line deliveries are like so like uh, he Carl re- Weathers. Carl Weathers because he reminds me a lot of Brian Blessed, where it's just like I'm Brian Blessed. It's like Carl Weathers <laughs> no. has a lot of that. You're Ma- Mando. Hi, how's it going? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, what is this line reading? <laughs> Bombastic. Is it the opening yeah. scene of Predator where it's like him and Arnold like flexing at each other and stuff? Like that's what I <laughs> yeah. that's what I always track back to Carl Weathers is like Predator like those mm-hmm. like 80s action movies where he just shows yep. up so yeah. it's just it's, he's he's always going to be Apollo Creed for me yeah. yeah there's also I was going to say Apollo Creed is the other one that always kind of pops into my head too so I was I don't know. I was cool with it. Like, he was fine. Because, <laughs> like, I think that Star Wars needs its comedy beat. This is something I wanted to bring up because, like, it seemed super serious from, from the jump. But, like, then we get a lot of real, like, Baby Yoda obviously is most of the comic relief. But, like, a lot of the characters get their comedy beats, too. Like, IG-11 especially. I mean. I like the tone. Grief gets one of the best comedic lines in the whole series in the final episode where he's telling Baby Yoda to do his magic hand thing. Yeah. Magic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that Favs is not of the, the breed of Star Wars fan that takes itself super seriously because, like, there's always been a level, a good level of humor in Star Wars, especially with, like, Han Solo, Chewbacca... Princess Leia, like, snarking constantly through New Hope. Yeah. (laughs) I think what I like about the sense of humor of this show is that, like, there was a lean into kind of cheesy shit in the prequels more, whereas the original trilogy was, like, the humor, to me, anyway, always came from, like, especially Leia and Han bitching at each other, like, snarking at each other. Yeah, back. And then them, like, and then Han snapping at C-3PO, or, like, you insinuating what R2 said when C-3PO is like, oh my god, you little shit. Like, that kind of (laughs) stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in your head, you're like, I wonder what the little bastard said. It was probably awful. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was kind of the sense of humor of the original trilogy, and that's kind of what I feel like Fabs, I mean, Fabs does that sense of humor. I mean, we've seen Iron Man, so we know that's kind of how he works, yeah. his sense of humor anyway. Yeah. So, like, he just, he had that right tone, so it felt like Star Wars. I think like, that's why I keep referencing New Hope, because it feels like New Hope shooting style, and, like, the humor feels like Han and Leia bitching at each other throughout the that whole movie, and mm-hmm. everything else just kind of has that, like, what spaghetti western you feel that New Hope has the most of, so... 
Yeah, I think that it was minimal, but it was just the right dollop of humor that I needed to, like, yeah. so that I wasn't... Yeah, to diffuse the grim, gritty seriousness yeah. kind of, of having, of focusing on a Mandalorian character. Yeah, which is yeah. why the cameo from Amy Sedaris probably uh, just really rang my bell, because she she is just inherently funny to look at initially, <laughs> and because she's just so, so fucking weird. But like, Did she fucking shave off her eyebrows for this? I, I think she did. I think she did. I'm pretty sure. That's totally something she would do, too, you know? Like, she might have glued yeah. them down, because, like... That's possible, She's yeah. been a, a guest on Drag Race. She knows all those drag tricks to, like, cover your eyebrows and stuff, so... Like, oh, yeah, I mean, she's a total chameleon oh my uh, in terms of, you know, her characters that she does. She was fucking funny, too, like, giving him shit for, like, how do you... Like, you, is this how you care for a child, basically? Like, <laughs> great, great stuff uh, overall. So, yeah. Funny, good tone. Like overall, it didn't like it didn't feel so dire and serious. It was serious and dire where it needed to be, especially in that last episode. There was a good sense of tension, and if it, when it came down to the citywide shootout scenes, that one was my favorite of the whole series because it like it felt like there was stakes and they were like pinned down in that house and there was a lot going on and there were i don't know it was and of course having moff gideon there like taunting them throughout was pretty cool too so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the tone was really well done on the series overall went humorous it was at the right time when it went dark it was at the right time i don't know it was just really really well executed because it was so safe probably but also yeah 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 so before we go into our overall rating uh what was your favorite episode tell me what your favorite episode was hmm i think it's either the first or the last and it's hard to to compare the two because like the first episode sets up the shtick so fucking well and then has probably one of the reveals that people are going to be talking about for years and years to come with baby yoda but then the final episode just just brings everything to a head so well it sort of brings in all these elements we've had sort of peppered in throughout the season back you know you get ig11 back you get i mean quill dying and that they don't that they actually stick to you know i was impressed that they actually killed him off and weren't just like oh no it's okay he was just knocked unconscious and shit like that yeah also a thing that made it feel like real star wars was like somebody died and like they didn't just yeah. like miracle them back. The original yeah. trilogy is filled of just like, holy shit, like Han's fucking aunt and uncle just like got vaporized. And it's, <laughs> we're all looking at their smoking skeletons kind of stuff. Um, Luke's. Yeah. Luke, sorry. Yeah. Luke's. <laughs> yeah. Luke's aunt yes. and uncle being vaporized. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Obi-Wan dies in the first fucking movie. I mean, yeah. he comes back with the force goes. Yeah. yeah. Proper stakes. So, yeah, yeah. 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 For me, I think like, I, yeah, I can't really disagree that like the first and last episodes are kind of like, the best probably episodes of the series but i thought episode seven like the lot the second deborah chow episode in particular kind of sets up the finale and i thought there was a nice like the just the plot was kind of like i like the way the plot kind of escalated throughout the course of the episode leading into the like almost cliffhanger mm-hmm. going into episode i mean eight. yeah i mean seven and eight are almost a two-parter yeah really so i mean this whole series the whole season is pretty serialized with the exception of like maybe five and six but yeah. there's still some serialized stuff in there but i mean really like yeah i think it could be like episode seven, part one and two. Yeah, absolutely. So like, yeah, I think episode seven and eight are probably like for me, like where that the series, I was like, whoa, this is all right. This is cool. Like this is the Star Wars show that I wanted mm-hmm. like the whole time. And I was like, I was enjoying it up to this point, but this really solidified it as like Fabs knows what to do. Give Fabs the keys. Like, let's just get the fuck out of the way and let the boy work. So. Yeah. I don't know if I'm quite there. 
<laughs> After my reaction to Rise of Skywalker, I am 100% yes. there. So, <laughs> sorry. Fair I know enough. I know you're probably like, well, we can do some other stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. After, after what I had to suffer through last week, Favs gets it all. I do have to give Favs mad props for fighting to keep Baby Yoda merchandise off the shelves and out of like the online retail outlets and mm-hmm. shit like that so to preserve that reveal mm-hmm. yeah. to the point where most of it was not available for Christmas, which I'm sure Disney and Lucasfilm were fucking pissed about. It didn't hurt my sales at the last couple cons in December, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you what someone prints of that little Baby Yoda... Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, the, we were talking about that at cons. Actually, people were like, "Are you doing well with the Baby Yoda?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I sold a bunch." Why do you think that is? I'm like, "Cause there's no merch. They didn't. They Fabs didn't let them put merch out ahead of time." Yeah, there's like a couple T-shirts and some like Funko Pops that you can pre-order that yeah. don't come out until like March or something. Because mm-hmm. if they'd already manufactured them, like some fucking retailer. Yeah, would have would have ended up with like promotional item and leaked it kind of thing. And so, yeah, I have to go with the final episode as my favorite, too, because I think that because the series was so safe overall, I wasn't expecting any surprises at all. And so like even the spoilers, obviously, sacrifice of IG-11 at the midpoint of the episode, I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. So like having the Darksaber pop up at the end was like, oh, OK, so they're going to like take incremental chances on this show when it comes to storytelling and i'm fine with that because the execution like uh, what i really was worried will they stick the landing on the finale or am i just gonna like kind of lose interest and i was like no the finale really makes me excited for season two so when they announced that season two was happening which was a no-brainer i wasn't like meh i was like good i'm glad i just like i knew it was gonna happen but i was like yeah all right, I'm in the bag for Mandalorian season two, 100%. Yep. Do you guys have anything else to say before we uh, we wrap up and do a rating? Just those end credit sequences. Man, getting They're to see so that cool. fucking concept art. Oh, yeah, because so uh, otherwise a lot of that, and, and Star Wars has some of the, hands down, some of the best concept art that's, you know, for any franchise, and this is going right back to the original movies. Yeah, I have books on books and books about star wars art that like yeah i don't like really and we know how much i love this franchise which <laughs> but like the art of star wars is it's a subject that captivates me to this day and it's probably why i keep coming back to these things because it's not even like i'm interested in the story overall but i'm just like man the production design on these fucking movies is always ridiculously tight and i want to look at all of it mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah 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 and so so the fact that they're actually featuring that you know work that clearly a lot of time was spent on and clearly some of these scenes are pulled directly from that concept art yep. is is really really cool yeah. so yeah. that's how it and works. we get more of that fucking awesome soundtrack as well yeah no that's how it works man like we, somebody's got to paint all these pictures before they go and get like shot on film yeah. so uh it's a lot of illustration work getting done on these shows before uh, they actually get yeah. shot so they kind of have an idea of what they're doing beforehand because otherwise like this stuff's all i mean i know we all know star wars but like they're making a lot of this shit up as they go along too right because you only have there's not that much star wars material to really draw from i was actually the one thing i did want to bring up before we go to rate and review how do you feel about them still kind of pulling stuff from the eu tim because it still feels like they're kind of pulling extent like this felt like those novels that eric would have given me to read like right after jedi kind of thing where like the empire is still around and kind of in shambles but there's still cadres of them here and there and like this dark saber thing sounds like something right out of a comic like a dark horse comic in the 90s or something so yeah i don't know i'm okay with that i mean uh, most of the stuff that they're pulling from seems to be more of the 
the stuff that they have said is still canon, like mm-hmm. the animated series and the new comics and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not mad at it. Cool. All right. I just was just curious because I know they've, they've written a lot of that out now. And I was yeah. like, it felt like they're going back to that stuff in this show. But I'm like, maybe that's just because of who's making it. And maybe they hurt. Maybe Fav is a big extended universe guy. We just don't know. I don't know. Well, I was also never like really heavy into that extended universe stuff. The old EU stuff that yeah. all got decanoned. Yeah. Shut up the like, fucking airlock, basically. Yeah, exactly. The only stuff that I really had much investment in that was sort of old jettisoned EU was like the the games, like the uh, oh, like Jedi Knight Dark like Forces yeah, games okay. and shit like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I never, I, I read a couple of the novels, but I actually read more Star Trek novels than I did Star Wars novels. Interesting. I had like 80 plus of those TNG novels kind of thing, and I'd read most of them. See, what I always like about the, the Trek side of it is that like, I know what's canon and what it's not in that universe all the time because if it's on TV or in a movie it's canon if it's not it's not like that they don't ever count the books or the comics or anything, comics or anything. so yeah. like none of that ever counts until it's referred to on screen so like we I know what canon is because it's stuff and like Star Wars always felt like holy shit all of this is canon that's yeah. too much but yeah. Okay, cool. And that and that was why they decanonized yeah. so much shit because like they were sick of being beholden to, you know, these like just fucking garbage twenty year old fucking comics. Yeah. yeah, a lot of which were not oh, good. Some of them are unreadable to the at this point. Like just Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean some of those old fucking Star Trek novels sure. were hot garbage too. Oh fuck, some of those old Star Trek novels were shit when I was ten. Like I knew they were garbage when I was reading them, so I was like, fair enough. But at that point I just wanted more right. of the world, so I was in there. I understand the extended universe stuff for Star Wars in the same headspace. Like I know why people would want more of it. It's just I just thought it was weird that they like Disney was very hardline about we're cutting that off. Like that's all gone. And then this show starts and like it feels like it's hinting back into yeah. that stuff again. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh that's because cool. like I don't know. There are Star Wars things on archive of our own, like AO3, that's better than those novelizations. So like self-insert <laughs> self-insert porn garbage that is better written than a lot of those fucking yeah. novels were. So like yeah, there, some of them are kind of weird, but what are you going to do? All right, so rate and review. <laughs> Let's get down to this. Mark, give a rate and final thoughts on The Mandalorian. I'm going to give it a 8.59. Yeah, I'll say 9. I'll give it a 9 overall. Like I really enjoyed this show. This is exactly what I wanted from a Star Wars series. Smaller scale, a little bit more like kind of richety, shambly kind of production, or at least feeling just the way they were shooting it like that. Like we were talking about the long held cuts and stuff like that. And then just like, I don't know, everything felt right. So if you like the original trilogy and you've bitched about everything since then, like me, I guess, <laughs> then this is probably the show you should be watching because I've done nothing but bitch about Star Wars since it's back in 1999, except for like maybe like Rogue One and probably The Force Awakens until I thought about it. But this show, I'm like, I'm fucking on board and I'll take this. If you put this on the same night as Discovery, I'm mm-hmm. watching this first. So. There you go. Although Captain Picard starts in a couple weeks, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see how that one goes because yeah. yikes. Anyway, yeah. So nine out of ten, and if you are, yeah, like you're an original trilogy dork who hates all the other stuff, watch this show. I mean, you probably already have because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you already have. So there you go. Except for those people that are holding out on Disney Plus. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Tim, rate and review. 
Yeah, I'm probably sitting around like a 9 out of 10 as well. Like I said, those couple episodes in the middle kind of do kill things for me, but like if but they're also pretty easy to ignore because they're not really crucial to the overall arc. They go by real fast too. Like they're kind of short episodes, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I was really happy with it. I'm really cool with all of like the legacy and and fucking easter eggs and old homages and shit like that that they're popping in and yeah, the chemistry of the characters and shit all works well. It's produced pretty well. It's not flawless, but it's like it i'm really happy for this being our first live action star wars series yep yep same i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten as well like definitely can see a lot like some flaws some not a lot some flaws and it definitely wasn't a wow tv moment overall like watchman was for us i think like it didn't exceed any of my expectations but the fact that it was like solid overall exceeded my expectations i think because you know star wars has burned me a a few too many times (laughs) lately and i'm still very invested in star wars as a franchise so i'm glad i've got the mandalorian to go back to now so that's pretty great so yeah 9 out of 10 and that's all she wrote so now we can go on to our final segment of the show, which is our geek cred, where we recommend something geeky for our listeners, whether it's something that we've been doing recently or something old that we want to dig up and foist onto the public at large. So, Tim, what is your geek cred for today? So mine's a little off the beaten path for us. Uh, normally, one of my family's sort of traditions that they've sort of established since I moved away from Canada is that my parents and my sister and husband will all go out and see a movie on New Year's Day. So since they were down here for Christmas and my parents were still around for New Year's, uh, we did that and we kind of had to find something that was appealing to everybody sort of middle of the road. We already seen Rise of Skywalker and Alicia would not have seen that if i'd probably paid her to anyways so what we went and saw was a beautiful day in the neighborhood the mr rogers movie and this was again on new year's day i was still kind of hung over from the night before i had not gotten a full night's sleep so we didn't get home until like three in the morning uh, after the party that we were at and i fully expected i was gonna fucking fall asleep during it but like Tom Hanks's performance was just captivating as fuck. It's a really interesting take on a biopic where it's really not like it's not like just like here's the life of this guy. It's like here is a framing of this, you know, just massive public persona through the lens of this one very specific incidence in his life. Like he's not even really the main character. It's all about this writer from Esquire that's doing a piece on him and becomes just captivated with him and Mr. Rogers ends up helping him through some of his own like demons and shit like that as well. And it was just a really, and I have fucking massive nostalgia for that show growing Mm -hmm. up. So it was, yeah, really well done, deserves all the accolades and props and stuff that it's been getting. So if you ever watched Mr. Rogers neighborhood as a kid, you owe it to yourself to go see this. All right. Thanks. Mine's actually kind of similar, but it's similarly kind of like throwbacky. I actually sat down and watched the Adams family 3d movie that came out. Oh, yeah? Whenever that came out, like, I think it was last Halloween or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the one that starred, like, Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron and uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it was fun. It's weird because it is, like, it's still a kid's movie. It's not even as edgy as, like, the Raul Julia, Angelica Houston movies. Those are, are mm-hmm. those have some commentary, like, political commentary in them. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. There's still the same kind of like the overall Adams trope of just like accept everybody kind of thing is still obviously omnipresent because this is very much a kids movie. Yeah. But like some of the fucking gags, I was like, that's pretty adult for like 
what I feel like is a kids movie. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty common for a lot of like kids media now, where yeah. there are these little jokes in there, like even like SpongeBob and shit like that, which is pretty old at this point. You go back and there's some yeah. fucking risque shit. Yeah, I had some fun with it. Like I know it didn't do super well, or like was kind of not reviewed very well, or whatever. But like Oscar Isaac's obviously having a ton of fun playing Gomez and stuff. Like he's just fucking hamming it right the hell up. So listening to him and Charlize Theron specifically, like really just chomp into the scenery while they were doing the performances was kind of a lot of fun. And it was just like, it felt like reliving those movies again, but with modern CGI, I guess. So I don't know. I had a good time with it. It was worth 90 minutes for me. I would go watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe I'll add that to my uh, viewing list, maybe for next Halloween. Cause I do love, I mean, I loved even the old black and white TV show growing up. Yeah. And like, that's like a show like we were talking about the 66 Batman. That is a show that we also watched growing up. Like I'm, I'm sure Paul remembers us having the Adams mm-hmm. family, like the 60 show on like after school or whatever. Yeah. Because so, I think mom was a fan of it and like she put it in front of us and that kind of stuff. So, and I watched that uh, Adam's family, those first two movies with Raul Julia, like a lot. Man, I always forget Christopher Lloyd, right? Like Christopher <sighs> Lloyd is, uh, is Fester and he's yeah. fucking, he's Kills so good. It. I love, I always forget how much I love Christopher Lloyd. And so I'm like watching Back to the Future or the Adam's family comes on and I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. He's amazing and should be in more Man. stuff. Yeah. But I guess he's so like over the top. You right. can't really cast him in everything. Yeah, like, his shtick is Doc Brown. You know, like go crazy. Yeah, but. but the first movie to me belongs to Angelica Houston. Oh God, yeah. And the second movie is a tie between Joan Cusack and Christina Ricci in the fucking camp scenes, where it's like, I'll be the victim all your life. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> just ah, oh, so good, so quotable. I love Adam Family <laughs> values so much. Give me a kiss. Give me a twenty. Whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You should absolutely watch this movie, Paul. Like you'll. Okay, I I absolutely will. All right. So my geek cred for me, it's like because of the Mandalorian storytelling structure where it's the samurai lone wolf and cub goes to visit X place to do thing and then learns about characters kind of like the same way Doctor Who does and all that stuff. I was thinking about other shows that had this similar formula. I'm not sure if I've talked about this on the show before, but my one of my favorites in this genre is an anime called Mushishi. And Mushishi is about a guy named Ginkgo. And he can see these supernatural creatures that they're kind of like microscopic magical creatures that cause mischief in different ways by kind of infecting human hosts. And so So in the first episode, the Mushi, or what they're called, have infected the eyes of this child. So whenever he closes his eyes, he sees these beautiful lights and golden colors, but like they're slowly eating away at his vision. So like it's this huge trade-off. So Ginkgo is the Mushishi, who's like the horse whisperer type character who like knows how to cure humans who have been infected but there's always like this big moral story to go along with each of these weird magical infections it's really good and it has the same kind of like quiet tone as like the samurai and cowboy movies but it's a a lot more drama oriented i guess like more character driven and personality driven very like and the score is really beautiful so if you're into that kind of storytelling check out mushishi because it's really really good Cool. You lost yeah. me at anime. Yeah, it's fine. I don't. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> so yeah, that concludes our episode on the Mandalorian, guys. So thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe, which you can do whichever 
podcatching app you like. You can use Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. And we really want to hear about your thoughts on The Mandalorian. So hit us up at Facebook, facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast, on Twitter at drd underscore podcast, or email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, give us a rating. Five out of five rating would be nice. Thank you very much. And thank you again for joining us. So say goodnight, Tim. I have spoken. <laughs> I have spoken. All right. And say goodnight, Mark. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been Paul. Good night, everybody.